0: Welcome back Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 120, a very special episode uh, that was brought on by an idea from uh, our good friend Eric. Uh, he was very concerned that Clint Eastwood was turning 93 and uh, he just said, you know, we really need to celebrate him for some reason. And he felt compelled to do this and we decided, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good idea. So just before uh, Clint Eastwood's birthday, we decided to do this, record this episode. Um, so instead of actually doing one two or three films we actually did something a little bit different uh, we're actually going to be covering nine films that he did uh, and I'm not going to tell you what they are you're gonna have to discover them as we go uh, but yeah there are nine films that we decided to do so what we did is each of us picked three and we went down the line like Eric would pick one and then Daniel would pick one and then I would pick one and we'd go back and we go through all nine films uh, that we decided to, to talk about. And we all try to pick different ways and different ideas of how we decided to do it. So it's really kind of a discovery of which is the next film you're going to talk about from Clint Eastwood. And this is either as an actor or a director uh, or both. Uh, so it's really kind of um, a cool episode. And I was really, really glad we did it because I think, you know, obviously we have a huge amount of respect for him as a filmmaker um and uh, as an actor and i thought it was really cool that we were able to celebrate these things for him so very excited to do that all right, a couple things I want to do is uh, kind of do a little call to action for you guys. I would love to try to get more subscribers on our YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to us anywhere you want. But if you're subscribed to us as an audio only, you don't have to watch us on YouTube, but I would love to get your subscription. There's a little plan behind this that I'm trying to do. I just want to get my subscriber numbers up. Uh, and the best way to do that is just to go to YouTube.com slash at and uh, just hit the subscribe button. And if you like this video, hit like as well. That would be great, too. But uh, love to have you have a subscriber on the channel. And encourage anyone else that you know that may want to do that, uh, that would love to have that. Uh, speaking of which, we do record all of these podcasts on Twitch. And that is at twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And uh, those streams usually happen on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So adjust for your time zone um and we will be doing one this saturday as well. Uh very exciting about very excited about this one. Uh my daughter decided that she wanted to introduce introduce me to a new film that she had heard about, which is a Belgian film from 2015 that I have never heard about. In fact, neither neither Daniel or Eric or I ever heard about it. Uh and it's called The Brand New Testament. A really really interesting film. I did happen to watch it recently with her. I'm very excited to talk about it. And then we decided with her, like, which one would be a good pairing for this, and uh, she decided on Amelie, and I totally agree, Amelie was a great pairing. So, love to have you there to talk about Amelie and The Brand New Testament. Uh, one's a Belgian film, one's a French film, but they're both spoken in French, and really excited to do that. All right, so hopefully we can see you there this Saturday, that's going to be June 17th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. But for now, please enjoy our Clint Eastwood Celebration episode. Today we are going to be celebrating uh, several, several movies by Mr. Clint Eastwood and decided to do it a little bit differently. Normally we do one film, two films, sometimes we do three films. Uh, But instead we're actually going to do nine
1: films. Yeah, because this guy makes a lot of movies. (laughs) He makes a lot of movies.
0: This guy makes a lot of movies, as you said. And uh, we're going to uh, check out all kinds and all kinds of movies as well.
2: Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So we're going to definitely uh, check that out. Uh, so the whole point is that we want to uh, look at these three uh, different movies. And I figured what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to do an order of movies. And each one of us is going to pick one of those movies. And we're going go to go and through talk about each one of them. And then um uh, then, you know, we'll start with Eric, then we'll go to Daniel, then we'll go to me, and that will be round one, and then we go back to Eric for a second movie and, and then the third movie, et cetera. Right. So uh how's that sound to everyone?
1: Sounds good here. Sounds that's good, it. Eric?
0: You got it. It's
1: a Josie right. Wales Christmas, that's right.
0: Uh <laughs> it is uh so uh we didn't tell you guys what our pick was, right? We if decided we, we were that- gonna hold off on that. And so uh, I said, okay, let's let's start with that. So, Eric, uh, tell me what is your first uh, film that you're going to uh, that you picked?
3: That well, I picked three films, as you well, know.
0: But yeah, but I know, but what's the first one? Just we're no, just gonna only the, about first the first, first only one. Only the first Not
3: all, not everything, all at once.
0: <laughs> just the first one. What's the first one? It is called a perfect world. A perfect world. Okay, mm. tell us a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. uh perfect
2: world.
3: Perfect World is a film I remember seeing, the last time I saw it was in the theaters in New York City. I think I was with Carlo Sciala and, uh, maybe Jim Mull, but I remember seeing that. Um, I love that film. On second viewing, it, I feel like it is really a tour de force for Kevin Costner.
1: It's, it's one really of his very, very, very best, best performances. I
3: love No Way Out. I love Costner at that era, late eighties yeah. and nineties. And he is. Just, it's really his film. The stuff between him and Lloyd. basically, he's an escaped convict, and as he escapes, and it's a real kind of interesting how, it's almost like um, the feel of, uh, the textural feel visually reminds me a lot of Shawshank Redemption, where it's the early 90s art direction that is, or Field of Dreams, you know, this kind of uh, retro, look of that time period and he was
1: shooting with uh jack green at that time i think it was I the think, dp yeah
3: okay so yeah. it is definitely has a, a style and it's i like i like the film i think um costner's a, a really unbelievable on upon the viewing but the thing is he escapes with this other guy they end up at a house and there is a boy who has no father but lives with his mother and she's um uh a born-again christian or she's a um when was this made 91 92 91. 93 around there right um and it is so basically he ends up kidnapping the boy to get out and he's a dangerous man kevin costner he ends up killing the guy that he escaped with because they don't get along but he develops this fatherly relationship with the boy Who is probably eight, nine years old. He's really a great actor. Sweet. And it really is such a great, um, I mean, he's a killer, but he had the same type of relationship with his father that the boy does and has. And he doesn't, hasn't seen his father in years. And it's just, it's almost, I'll be honest, it's like Paper Moon in a way, but it's, he's kidnapped. But it's still that kind of heartfelt um, parenting and understanding human nature behind, you know, how the parents affect you. Um, it really is a... Because basically he didn't come from a great home and this boy obviously misses his father and doesn't come from a great home and a strict mother. So he starts to enjoy the ride because he's actually, he's almost like a surrogate father to him. And they go on these little journeys. There is, I'll be honest... They structure it like the Kevin Costner part, kidnapping the boy and developing this relationship, and it really is a strong thread. Mm-hmm. But they also kind of set it up where Laura Dern, who's, I always love Laura Dern, she plays somebody brought in by the mayor, the governor of Texas. It takes place in Texas in the 60s. And to work with Clint Eastwood, who's a top cop investigator, and they take this kind of silver line Winnebago type thing and they go on this hunt for Kevin Costner and the partner. And so there's a lot of this back and forth. Women can't do it. And she's in the boys' room, obviously, in a sense, like it's all male cops. And she's an investigator, but she's female. But it's not really a strong thread. It's it's kind of just a little cliche.
1: And but is it's, that, a, and it's this was it, weird comedy and like it's, yeah, it's totally it's different. Co- It's
3: totally different. And so the thing, the real thing is, is they do it as though it, it's almost like they're going through the motions where they're hunting him down. Um, and, you know, everybody that's around Laura Dern, who was assigned by the governor to be with these investigators, they're all just kind of the old boy's room, you know, the locker room talk and Clint Eastwood seems frustrated. But honestly, it doesn't really, there is no bond. Even though you can kinda see Clint Eastwood and Lord Dern are to, you know, start to like, respect each other, there is no connection or spark. And it should have really just been cut as a Clint Eastwood hunting him down. He didn't need to have the Lord Dern part. In order to counterbalance. Right. It could have just been him and his expressions and the way he commands himself. He could have just held that line, actually. <laughs> and it would have been a great seesaw balance to Costner as a solo as well. Right. You know, the, is, but it just broke that film apart. And, but if you just recut it with just Costner and right. and Clint scenes and get out, not anything wrong with Lord Dern. It's just, it just Good. seems unnecessary because there's right. such a half, you know, three quarters of the movie, or the percentage of the movie, the boys with Costner and this road movie of him escaping with the boy, and ultimately the boy ends up shooting him, yeah, uh, because he threatened to kill somebody. And that
1: but, that is extraordinary stuff. Yes, like, that that the, that entire story is like it's almost impossible to 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 break the quality of that story, no matter how lopsided. That's right. Yeah. It, it is lopsided. Yeah. But that,
3: he shoots him because he was going to kill almost sadistically this guy in front of his children. And he, the little boy k- shoots Costner and they end up holding hands in a field as Costner's dying. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the cops shoot him, but he hugs him. And he goes back to them to hug to everybody's surprise where he's negotiating a release of the boy because he was holding him hostage in this beautiful field. And it's really, really a beautiful, a touching, uh, love the boy has for him because he's like a real father. He taught him things on the road. Right. Um, about life and what to do and made him feel confident and it made him feel loved. And right. there is a bond and always that message with, um, Eastwood, you know, he, he, he was political spectrum. He's on a different side. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. But even with his political spectrum, he's talking about the value of parenting and parents yep. and the value of a father figure in one's life. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is such a strong performance. And Costner is one, a great American actor. That is, I feel like his strongest period, mm-hmm. um, for him. And uh he's just confident and he's great and he's so intense. Uh but he's very much like a Clint Eastwood, you know. He he just has this um the way charismatic, bravado, but intelligent and sympathetic. He's just really covers a huge spectrum. It's a really hard role to do. I, I can't think of any actor possibly I was thinking that could do it. It would be a different dynamic, but Gene Hackman could have done
1: it, you know, as, as somebody who would left, oh, yeah. like uh, yeah, like young Hackman, like yeah, like thirty five, or even older. Yeah. He, yeah. It's almost like the, he becomes like a grandfather to the boy.
3: Right. But you'd have to write dialogue more of like a grandfather talking to the son instead right. of like a young father talking right. to the son, which is different nuance. But it definitely is a strong, strong, strong film. And it's such a great performance, and you end up crying at the end because he's hugging him, and he's got a gut bullet, a bullet in his gut that the boy did shot. And he's still – they're grabbing hands and holding on to each other, and then he passes. And it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, storyline. And and it's a weird contrast between the Clint Eastwood – sections and costner and it does it gets a little goofy comedy
1: um, I know, like i wonder what was like why did he choose to do that because it's a really distinct i actually think it's probably the studio mm-hmm. like to get the I money. Mean, he just won for Unfor- unforgiven does they do they really need him to be in the movie also like no but he could have been in the movie do you but mean in did... terms of in terms of eastwood being in the
3: film no, I feel like he should have been in the film, but he should not have had this kind of build up of the character with Laura Dern because she is a great performer, but it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't counterbalance. I think a better counterbalance would just be him who is, you know, hunting him down and he realizes that uh, at the end he's really sympathetic towards him, but he's so overshadowed by the kind of... Uh, there was a lot of like goofy moments in the trailer. It gets unhitched, and yeah. there's always these hijinks that happen on the pursuit of him, and then you cut back to the, to Costner, and it's serious, beautiful drama. So it's weird, but mm-hmm. if he if they took some of that out, I think um, uh, I don't know why it was overcast. And by the way, the dialogue and the writing for the sections that. Um, that is in the trailer as they're pursuing Kevin Costner and the boy is, is really weak. It's just kind of cliche. It's like a totally different
1: movie. It's, it's a totally, totally different movie and yeah. it
3: cuts back to really beautiful dialogue right. between the boy and great performance by the boy for being that age and performing oh, like it's that. Yeah. But then it cuts back to, you know, we gotta solve this murder and I got a fake southern accent. You know, all these little sidekicks <laughs> right. with skinny black ties, it's like, well yeah, and like, this guy's gone, I'm just gonna shoot this is, him. This is sort and of a great, like, uh, okay.
1: This is sort of a great movie to open with on this, uh, on this retrospective, right? It's because it really shows, like, this is, like, all of Eastwood's movies sort of fall into these two camps, right? Like, there's the, the, like, virtually perfect Academy Award-winning incredible stuff, and, and there's plenty of good, like very, very good movies. Like most of his movies are very good movies. Um, but then he has this, like he just has these weird, clunky, sticky things that sort of pepper his filmography, you know, and where they, it just doesn't, it's like the, uh, what was it, blood work and where you're just like, what drew you to this? Like I've been, when Also, we're, we're, we're there's along.
3: one on HBO Max right now mm-hmm. called, uh, with, God, I've lost my mind.
1: Um, you
3: know, uh Emilio Estevez's brother?
0: Uh oh, Eric, we should note that it's no longer called
1: HBO Max. It's called, it Ma- Max. called Max. 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 Yes. Like Maxi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. That, and uh, it is,
0: uh, it has become a nightmare and a, like, the tech and, it's like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, you would have seen it was like, okay, we're going to change the name, right? Sorry, I'm just going a little yeah, technical rant here, but we're going to change the name from this to this. But what you're actually doing is they literally killed the old app. And you have to install a new app. Yes, that that, new app is broken. (laughs) (laughs) So good, so classic. It's just ridiculous. And so they're doing this. And it's the other thing I was talking about on the vergecast. Like they're doing this right before the season finale of Succession.
2: I know. Where you have to just
0: basically screw up all of your devices. And if you use Apple TV, it's apparently even worse of an experience. That's what I'm. What a hack job, dude!
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. So it's just Max now. But, yeah, the one you're talking about is The Rookie. The Rookie. Yeah. I was about to look it up. Yep. That, but the best one,
3: the contrast between really good performance and then moments of, like, this doesn't balance well mm-hmm. is uh, the last I can think of besides this is American mm-hmm. Sniper.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's oh, interesting. Another that's another, like, cause I, I, that's another one where, like, I don't know if that's on anybody's list, it's not on my list, but like, it's the, like, American I, I really think that's a beautiful movie with these really bizarre hiccups in it that keep it from being great. You know, and I'm, right. I'm, and I'm, I'm not sure, no, like, Eastwood himself, and by the way, this is not gonna be a hammer on Eastwood talk, like, he is an absolute filmmaking hero of mine, and I, there's no, there's not a movie of his, even the, the corny ones that I don't enjoy. Like I like, I just like watching him. I like what he does. And even movies he made that aren't that great. I still love those. Um, but like he is known, uh, for his, uh, work ethic, right. Which is efficient efficiency. I mean, that's what he learned from being in the spaghetti Westerns. Right. And doing a lot of TV and rawhide and whatever. And, uh, and like he's, he is much more concerned about like, Treating this like a job, you know, like being polite and, uh, like everyone works together to go home at five or go home at seven or whatever it is. And it's a job, you know, so that's it. And so like in some cases, you know, like, a, so he'll do like one or two takes. He's also famous for his like first takes. Like he does. Right. Like people like, oh, yep, done. I was like, Wait, done. What? That's fine. There we go. And like, and so he's perfectly okay with things being, you know, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's like, if it's a B character story is like, yeah, the guy doesn't have to be perfect. It's just the B story. You know, and uh and so like he because he has the, uh, like when he's working with the the leads, like he has these he casts incredibly well, and he really knows how to direct actors, like because yes, he's that's what it. he he does really well. And he's like he like the the subtleties that he draws out of even seasoned pros, like like Costner, like it's just stuff you've never seen Costner do, like mm-hmm. you're just like this, like it's just incredible the work he does in that thing. Um, and there's no, like, um, there's no, there's no sort of like showiness to his performance in that, you know? Well, well, let's do this because I think this is
0: great because this is what I want to do a little bit different than we normally do on our show. So I want to ask questions, a couple of things. Well, uh, Eric, so first of all, you you mentioned specifically the performance of Costner in this as being like really, really good and very, very uh, interesting. So do you think that performance comes from? Uh, working with Eastwood, or do you think that comes from being Costner, or do you I think, think that comes because from he being Costner? Costner.
3: Yeah. I think Costner at that time was a machine, no way out at the I mean, end that time. Field of yeah. Dreams, and I think it's really dances with what wolves it, and all that. No, stuff. Yeah, he was exactly. On fire. No. Right, but, he was on fire, what and he did it that? because he has a. Rest- for Eastwood, who doesn't want to be in an Eastwood film? So right. you know. Do you think? Do you
0: think the Waterworld was the, was the was the where where everything started to to, to that was go a down? big that was
1: a big crash for him? Sure, um, yeah. Postman wasn't that was the big uh, uh, failure for him.
3: Remember, he also did My Bodyguard or whatever the
1: yep. That was a big giant
0: giant hit,
3: right? And that, oh, for God. and for but for see, movie. My bodyguard. bodyguard, Bodyguard
0: was okay, but he was do- <laughs> yeah.
3: the Bodyguard. Sorry,
0: I, I'm thinking about. Um, uh you know he he kind of did a little bit of a Ben Affleck when Ben Affleck did Armageddon to mm-hmm. try to get the big bucks right mm-hmm. and so i think Kevin Costner is like i'm going to do bodyguard i'm going to do waterworld and
1: yeah and he's just not built for that stuff like that that's like is he's well, he's, not, he's more guys, like a, around
3: that Look around. Around that time, you remember Dennis Hopper's in Waterworld, so there probably That's was right. a lot of money dangling. But yeah. there were a lot of films like that around. Remember the Batman yeah. movies were growing? big,
1: sticky, yeah. Hollywood yeah. nonsense, yeah, and yeah. also
3: the uh, the bus one.
0: Speed.
3: That's a good movie. <laughs> That's know, a good movie. But, I, but the would... movies were of that tone, Do you know. Right, what I mean? like they were. They were very Hollywoody,
1: very silly Hollywood. Movies. Very yeah, very very fluffy Hollywood. You know. Like that like it's not that they're not fun. Speed's a really good fun movie. But it's but not the, like
0: this was early nineties, right? Early nineties, as we're coming out of the eighties, we're coming out of the John Hughes Breakfast Club type right. of movies, right? And, and and that kind of stuff. Right. So we're 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 like and but but it were some good stuff that was happening around that time. I mean, this was the time of, you know, Tootsie and all this other stuff, which we mentioned before. Like this is this is kind of like an important part, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I feel like the, uh, Eric, you're like, it's like, uh, like he's coming, like they're both coming off of big Western winds, Unforgiven, right. And, uh, dances with wolves, Western winds, Western winds. So like these two guys tonight on Western, Western winds, uh, I'm like... just
3: back to Pine Valley.
1: <laughs> I want to know and, who he is. And I can imagine, like you're saying, like Costner's like, this is for me to work with this guy is a career capper. You know, like,
0: yeah, I mean, especially in the
1: fact that he's like the king of Westerns, right? King of Westerns. Exactly. Exactly. And so the perfect world isn't a Western, but like he is going into it as open to being directed by a master as you could possibly be. Like he knows what he's doing and choosing to work with Eastwood for that role. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, and I feel like because my, my other favorite, my, my, I think my favorite performance by Costner ever is uh, open range. Um, but that's, that's when he's more seasoned, you know, I
3: love, uh, no way out.
1: No way. Out's great. That's it. And that's a good young man's role. You know, like he's, he's sexy. He's fun. It's fast. It's intense. And he really carries it. And he's got like the superstar energy going on in that. Um, by the time he gets the water world though, like he's not like he needs like water world needs to be someone like Kurt Russell that handles like big, silly nonsense, you know,
3: better with water. He's better with, more Uh, overboard. You know,
1: oh yeah, like, like, big, big trouble in little China kind of guy, right? Yeah, exactly. He's he's a big nonsense guy and he does it in tango and cash, you know, that kind of, that kind of jazz. So as
0: I I promised that we would, uh, 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 we would all, uh, have lunch with Don at some point and she has some water world stories that can only be told. (laughs) <laughs> that can only be told. With no microphones. With no microphones <laughs> attached, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you can't, uh, uh, those are also non-repeatable stories apparently, so. Yeah, I believe uh, that. I believe that. Uh, okay, but I do want to know, Eric, because we're, we like, uh, here's a thing, another thing, the rule is we're giving about 20 minutes to each story mm-hmm. <laughs> to sure. go through, to get to the next one. But before we, f- we move on to the next movie, Eric, why, besides, you know, what was the thing that motivated you? It's like, okay, this is a movie that that I want to you know, celebrate Eastwood with?
3: For me, I love um, a lot of smaller films, but with small films cast in some sort of majestic way. I'm not majestic, but I love the Americana stories. Uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot is the same way and play Misty. They're small cast, strong characters, and they unfold a lot of human emotions and a lot of... Uh, Things that you don't normally see in, say, like a rollerball. But the point is, uh I like those type of movies of his. So for me I love I the movies I picked are smaller films on in a sense, smaller locations and uh unusual. Like Play Misty is unusual and powerful. Right. Well, we'll uh, get to World that, is because unusual remember we were and powerful. <laughs> and um I know Chris, I'm just rambling here. So um but basically I like the uh I liked the performances, and it just was yeah. bittersweet, particularly between yeah. the boy. And I thought it was—I always remember that. I always loved the way Costner and the relationship, and how heartbreaking it was. Now we should know that you this forgot was he di- was a criminal. We that's should note
0: that this was directed by Eastwood, right? That's right. Yeah, right. And so, so, so that's the thing I think that's important. And what I really like about this is this star includes Eastwood and also directed by Eastwood. So you get. Both of his strengths, yeah. in a sense, right? Right. right? So I think that's what I think is really good about this, this pick, especially as our first pick, is, uh, is that it sort of celebrates Eastwood's, like, and he's, again, again, the thing that's, I think is special about Eastwood is he likes to do this thing where he does a small film. He's like, just give me this much money. I'm yep. going to be on my way and i to be back with a film and guarantee you you'll make your money back, right? Then, yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: And so he does that really well. And so I think there's a, the studios are like, he just has carte blanche and he's never going to ask for a hundred million dollars. Yeah. It's always going to be
1: 50 he, million He or turns less. in everything on time and under budget, no matter what he does. Like, I don't think he's ever been over budget on anything. You know? and, yeah. And, uh, and so like he has, you know, he has a bomb here, bomb there, whatever it is. Like his overall catalog makes the studios millions of dollars every year. Period. Like just right. the stuff that exists that he's done. And so like he, he is a infinite cash machine for them and they're perfectly happy to support whatever he wants. Like he is, he is, uh, he, he has worked with the studios to develop, um, uh, develop a, a business together as opposed to uh, being a star and like, you have to service me and all this kind of stuff. He's just like, nope, this is like a TV show. It's the Clint Eastwood show and we're just going to be in business and that's how it works. And, uh, and I think that it, it leads to, uh, more, like, it leads to him being able to cast big people in small movies, which you really don't get very much of anymore.
0: Hmm. Yes. That's very true. You, you maybe get one star. Yeah. Like one person. Right. And then everyone else is. But I do want to go through a couple more, uh, 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 you know, um, all right. So that, that was a great, that was a great, uh, first movie. Um and uh Daniel, what is your pick for your first Eastwood film?
1: Now I won't disclose all my picks. I'm just going to talk about one right up front. But I, wasn't right to, out. I was I was not supposed the, to do that? Yeah there. the the so I uh, I I wanted to sort of set up like the reason why I picked what I'm picking isn't because these are my favorite Eastwood films, um uh but rather because they really like they're really examples of his range as an actor and director and also like i, sort I of... went
0: through a similar thing but also through like genres like yeah kind of right. ideas but but you... go ahead
1: like it's about the ver- versatility right it's the versatility angle right and like and especially like in terms of like getting to uh a core thread of his own beliefs through all this stuff that he does like a huge range of material right so the first thing i'm going to do is talk about a, a a big movie, like a very large scale movie, uh, that he did, which is actually sort of a bookend to another film that he did. But this is Letters from Iwo Jima. Mm. Uh and I think I worked on that film. That that movie, what was it all about, and where did it come from? And so, like, so letters for, Letters is like Letters is actually a part of uh, you know anyone who worked at Digital Domain. Letters is yeah. a part of their life as well. Uh, and cause like Dee was a big part of making that movie happen and, uh, uh, visual fa- uh, and flags of our fathers. Yeah, which that's is the certain, one I worked on. That's, Flag. that's the, that's the sister movie to this one. Now for now, like I'll, I'll quickly mention flags flags is a, is a good movie. Um, like Flags suffers from a lot of what you were talking about, Eric, where it's like, like parts are great. Parts are not great. You know, where it's sort of like, it wonks all around, you know, and when it's great, it's amazingly good. Um, and when it, it's just sort of gets long or clumsier, like some of the actors aren't pulling it together. So it's kind of a wobbly, but good movie. Letters from Me with Jima is a great movie. Like this is a, a real unique, uh, work of art for America to have made. Um, and because it's a, uh, uh like Flags of Our Fathers is about, the, uh, the, uh, soldiers that raised the flag in, on Iwo Jima and, you know, it's the classic shot of the American flag and the pole and all the guys are living. There's this big statue of it. Big statue, that's <laughs> right. Thing. So, um, yeah. and it's an examination of the fact that this is a, a PR stunt, right? Yeah. And it's a totally constructed moment that they sort of did and redid and posed and all this kind of jazz. And, uh, it, you know, it they look at and he looks at the effects of you know, the sort of falseness of that on the people on the people who whose lives were involved in doing it. You know, because they were made quite famous for doing it and they're basically telling a lie in doing so. Um so it's a very it's a powerful story, it's a little wobbly as I said as a movie. But like um it's a very empathic story that essentially sketches the paradox of um, America and fe- feelings about America because like as you brought up Eric, like an America-, America America versus Americana and, and the sort of the politics of it and all this stuff and it really gets to the heart of what because you know, as you brought up Eric uh, Eastwood is a conservative you know he's a Republican uh, he served as mayor of Carmel you know California and uh, and all this stuff that he's not a Republican in the way that I see Republicans today
0: like Republicans today, those, those Republicans aren't
3: like a Chris Republican. No, yeah, no, okay. exactly. Not, yeah. Not, a, <laughs> not a
0: Trump dissenter, which are not
3: not
1: even Republicans. They, anyway. China, they have, China, Yeah, they have. As I cannot, I do not understand how people can call themselves Republican and vote for Trump. I'm not a Republican, Um but like it's. It's everything that they do not believe in wrapped up in one thing, and they still and they pretend that it's not. True. They They're pretend like, oh, that this is, there's no dissonance no, no, here.
0: Ronald Reagan would be very excited about. Yeah, Donald like Trump. it's
1: Ronald Reagan is rolling in his grave right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, I am zero percent a Reagan fan. Like, I don't have any. Like, I have nothing good to oh, say. that. I, I agree with him. you. But anyway, right. but like, but the, it is
0: it is fair to say that 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 we should note that that uh, Eastwood has a history as a as a. Republican yeah. politician, yeah. And, <laughs> and so when,
1: yeah, like as a conserv- as a conservative um, uh guy, like he, he's from a conservative point of view that, though I disagreed with it largely politically, I still respected. I'm just like I get where you're coming from, you know. I understand what you're. T- I do understand what you're talking about, and basically, like it's a dif- different side of the same point that I feel, right? And it's just like that you can have a conversation with someone like this and not end up yelling at each other. Uh and so with Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from of Umojima, this it's a really like that he was willing to like if it were, you know, the Trump version of Flags of Our Fathers, like it would be how amazing these boys were and this giant bullshit story that endorsed the lie, like that said, There was no lie. It all happened spontaneously. We just happened to have a photographer there. Like you would you would say he would say there was no bullshit, it's all it's all true. America is supernaturally beautiful and amazing. And Clint is, and Clint is like, that's not true. Like, Mm. like, uh, like America is, uh, it's, it's a complex, like, like any country is a very complex feeling, you know, like, cause there's the truth of what you are, what you believe in about how people should live together and trust one another and support each other. And then there's this sort of like the myth that uh, represents that concept. And sometimes we get mixed up on which one is which, and it can be really disastrous for us, you know. And so, uh, though I think that Flags is not a complete success, I really admire that he was taking a, a not a cynical, but a very, like, appropriately empathic view to uh, uh, the reality of feelings that he has for his own country. And uh, and and what 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 was done, and then he seals the deal by making an entire other movie called Letters from Iwo Jima.
0: But wasn't he planning to do that the whole it's time? The whole time. The whole thing so is he like, knew that. So right, yeah. he
1: had to tell the story is like here's the lie, and here's why it's a lie, right? right. <laughs> and uh, and then he tells, and then with the Letters from Iwo Jima, he makes a brilliant, complex, uh powerful anti-war film from the point of view of the Japanese soldiers on Iwo Jima who all got killed like all of them and the movie is entirely in Japanese uh, and it's solely their experience based on actual letters that you know were found on the bodies etc 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 and it is such a uh it's such a deep uh, real read as to like the same things like how can we how can we uh act the way we feel when it's in contradiction to a, our actual morals you know how do we treat each other how do we how, how do we treat each other as soldiers under this kind of pressure and all this kind of stuff and so he has the same empathic broad view um, of the enemy of the of the folks from flags of our fathers and because he's bringing nothing but empathy to it it creates this Unbelievably rich sad experience where nobody who has gone through this heartbreaking event wanted this to be happening at all, you know, and so it becomes this massive epic tragedy about um, belief in one's uh, own country and in our in each other and ourselves and how we're destroying each other out of this and it's phenomenal. So I would say, like, see flags. It's important to see flags, but absolutely see letters. Like, letters is the, is the punchline. And for, I, I can't imagine a Trump Republican today, uh, saying, I want to make a movie about the Japanese viewpoint of this war. Like, it would. A, uh, re- Republican. Yeah.
0: Is like, a it's a really interesting thing. It's, it's, it feels anti-war. But he, what he's doing is like, uh, we just need to pay attention to this. So there's the yeah. respect I have for him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like this is, it's, it's a, like these are, these are humans. Everyone involved in this is a human. And, uh, and everyone involves, uh, every one of us, uh, deserves, uh, love and deserves life. And, uh, nobody wants to be here. And everyone knows this is a terrible experience. Like there's no good guys or bad guys in these two movies put together at all. There are enemies. But there are not villains. And, uh, and it's an extraordinary, uh, an extraordinarily empathetic, uh, vision of, uh, an ext- extremely complex subject. Um, that I don't know if any other director has handled as well and as, uh, as fully as he did. And, uh, I think it's a- it's a greatly underappreciated movie. And I also like the- in terms of the filmmaking, it's not grandstanding at all, as big as, and as, as grand as it is, as big as the scale is, like it's not grandstanding at all. It is simple and straightforward and almost just sort of like, like there's nothing like big, beautiful moment where the director is sort of like, look at my directoriness. You know, he is, it's just reportage, like here it is, you know, and he gives, and this is going to come up, come up a lot. He gives the entire, uh, movie to the actors. Like, it's not about how fancy Clint is. It's not about what a brilliant director he is. It's not about, like, a big statement that he wants to make. Like, it's just about shooting these people having complex, uh, subtle moments in extremely high contrast, violent situations. Uh, and it's so beautifully observed and he gives so much time to everybody that it's impossible not to be moved. It's it's really it's a it's unlike any other movie I've ever seen in the war film genre, like this is one of the one of the very best. And uh and I think that it's it shows that he is not just like everyone like people like to sort of blow him off now. It's just like, oh he's a Republican, so uh and I hate all his films, I never watch him and Clays with all this kind of stuff. They'll just throw him away. And like you like we should be thankful that at one time a Republican like Clint Eastwood existed. Before we, I deal with what we have now. First of all, what's
0: because someone is a Republican doesn't mean they're a bad person. <laughs> I doesn't <agree>. mean that <laughs> I agree. Right? And, and I think that the problem is is that the that that we have been told that right, and that's what we and and the fact that we are like and the same on the other side, right? Yeah, because this is the, the Republicans are like all we want to do is make the Democrats cry. Like that's yeah. their goal. That's,
1: that's the goal now, and uh, and vice versa.
0: You know. And so you know, oh no, we want to make the Republicans angry. They want to make us cry. Yeah, right? exactly. That's, like, the, that's well, yeah. the goal. I'm because like, no, I'm, I'm not a pro, right. but but that's not what he's doing. He's actually telling us two stories, right? Yes. With flags, yeah. he's telling us this thing is like, oh, by the way, we may have been this is not this is all kind of BS. Right. Even though there's a freaking statue of it in Washington D.C., right. it's just, it's all BS. Right. right. And, and he knows that and he's like, but this, you know, and he's not necessarily giving up. I mean, we've seen his films, right? He's not a hippie about war. Right? Not at all. He, he's not definitely all. a hawk, right? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, the fact is, I think that it's very interesting to see that he made this film and sort of acknowledged the fact that, hey, a lot of people suffered and it, we yeah. kind of,
3: well, look, you think it was also on. commentary on media? Oh yeah, like yeah, Flags. Yeah. This is the first
1: anti-Facebook film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like are you like flag, Flags actually this is going to come up a lot in a couple of and in, in some other circumstances that uh, films have chosen. So the but like certainly Flags uh, has a lot of anti-media uh, material in it. Um and uh and you can see in in uh letters like the effect of media essentially media/state slash control in that case but of media manipulation of people's opinions as people show up you know like characters show up who have a very definite idea of like what their purpose in war is right and then by the end of it they're broken like their 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 view is destroyed and everything that they were sold by the government is hogwash mm-hmm. you know and uh, and that Eastwood is so committed to um the the humanness of this experience as opposed to good guys, bad guys, Japanese Americans, whatever it is. Like, he's just like, this doesn't matter. Like we are all reacting the same way. Like, are there, like, I think it's like his pro, like his, he is seen as like a, uh, um, you know, pro like he's, he's hawkish in the, in the way of like, if there's something to be done, he believes it should be confronted immediately rather than dawdling it away right um but he doesn't like the like he doesn't have the idea of just like let's go kill the blank like this this is the opposite of that because he's like well the blank in this case the japanese are humans and like you're going to see them dying by the thousands in this film and you're going to get to know them and feel terrible that this is happening and then you're going to see the other side where they're happy that that happened like that's your side you know, and that's a, that is a, like, that's the appropriate, intelligent, adult way to look at the, of the scene, you know, and that's something that we've very much lost the ability to do right now. You know, like, if yeah. you were to make, if you did a, a flags, uh, letters version of Republicans, Democrats, like, it, it, I can't imagine anyone uh agreeing with that movie. Like, everyone would be mad that the other side got perceived as a human. You know, and uh, and I feel like this is
0: to be a villain or hero, right? Yeah, everyone
1: wants to be the hero and wants to make the other people cartoons, the villains, right? Right.
0: Um, Okay. Uh, We don't need another hero. (laughs) We don't need another hero. Oh my god, that's. Uh, Yeah, Tina. Yeah, Tina. Uh, That's a very good uh, quote, Eric. Uh, Thanks for throwing that in there, and uh, our love for Tina Turner. Um, The the. uh, I do. I do want to get to okay. So I'm going to go to my pick, mm-hmm. which is also a war film, mm-hmm. which is Kelly's Heroes. <laughs> yeah, Kelly's <laughs> Heroes. And I figured that was uh, an interesting thing because this is. I, I think Kelly's Heroes is probably of all four of our picks is probably the earliest. The, the that's the, true. Yep. Right. And I I would have picked The Good, the and Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, as the obvious choice, Uh, but I picked uh, Kelly's Heroes because um, we already did Good and Bad and the Ugly Mm -hmm. and also because I think we need to talk about Heist films and World War Two films <laughs> and all those yeah. other like The Great yeah. Escape and all that other kind of stuff that he was doing back then. Right, he was doing these kind of things, and so I hadn't seen Kelly's Heroes in probably twenty years or whatever. It's it's a it's a fun film.
1: Oh yeah, that's a blast, man! And it, what's like a uh, Sutherland in it? Does it's got everyone mean? in it. I'm Everybody sorry, uh, Dallas yeah.
0: Sutherland, uh, uh, Sir, Gavin Sir.
1: McLeod. Kevin yeah, McCloud, Kevin Don Carol Rickles, yeah, yeah, Don right.
0: Rickles, uh, <laughs> uh, the the guy who plays Uncle Leo from Seinfeld,
1: yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, John uh,
0: Landis uh, is in it. John Landis, uh, uh, oh, so, so, yes. so Savannah, well, uncredited though everyone's in it. Like the amount of people in this film, everyone's in it. And this was a, the classic, it's a mad, 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 mad world kind of time, right? That they were doing these type of crazy cameos. Right. Right. Like, right. Harry oh. Dean Stanton. I just Harry Stanton? Harry Dean. Oh my God. Harry Dean Stanton is the comic <laughs> relief in this film. Which <laughs> I love hilarious. it. Harry
1: Dean. Who can't love Harry Dean? That's yes. insane.
0: Yeah. That's insane. So, uh, so the, the thing that's cool about this film, obviously it's a world war two film, Right. Mm-hmm. And it's at the end of the, uh, uh, end of the invasion, right? And, uh, the, the Germans are kind of retreating. <laughs> Just giving a quick setup mm-hmm. for what it is. Sure. Germans are retreating. Uh, 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 Clint Eastwood, uh, uh, captures a uh, German officer and gets him drunk enough to reveal that there are huge amount of, of gold in a small town that they can get to. Right, and so he organizes everyone to basically do a bank heist. (laughs) The soldiers to motivate them because they're just kind of screwed, and they all hate the officers. They're like, "We've been in this war too long." And it was like, "We need to get something out of this." And so they decided that they're going to start, you know, doing this kind of thing where they're, uh, uh, you know, going to basically uh, try to rob a bank of a bunch of gold, and they did. Uh, calculations on how much gold it is and it's something like $14 million worth of gold mm-hmm. which of course in World War II is a massive amount yeah. of money no. um, and uh, they try to pull off this heist uh, so that's basically it what it is uh, they go through all kinds of stuff that's going on the plot it's, it takes itself on its way there's a couple things I want to note having seen this film um, again for the first uh, like recently Holy crap. The amount of pyrotechnics in this yeah. movie? Here. <laughs> so fun. So the whole fun. movie is on fire constantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's insane. They are blowing up everything con- I mean it makes a you know, like stealth look like, like child's play.
1: Oh yeah. And they were real they, explosions. They were really <laughs> they were Walsh, really blowing like up buildings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so, it's so fun. And the thing is like this, this period, right? There's like, this is the period where explosions really are a star. Yeah. Unto themselves. Right? They make it's great cause posters. Like, right. Because like I mean like explosions in the eighties also become a star unto the, to themselves. Or like hel- like helicopters in the late seventies. Uh, uh motorcycles in the early seventies. Like where you just see just like that's all you see in the ad. Uh and this is this is a top top ten explosion movie. Non <laughs> stop, nonstop. non-stop. Uh, when it
0: came out. Uh, and uh, so, but it is it is one of those kind of great World War II films, right? There was what was this uh, the ones that? Uh, oh God, I'm name blanking the ones where the, they all escape from prison.
1: Oh yeah, like there's uh The Great Escape, right? Escape, you know, escape, there's yeah. uh, there's uh, Bridge uh, Too
3: Far, Bridge Too Far, Guns of
1: Bridge of the River Kwai, Guns of Navarone, Nav- Nav- um, yeah. Uh, Where Eagles Dare, Uh, like which is directed by the same guy who directed Kelly's Heroes, as a matter of fact, right? You know, it was like the year before, and like yeah, it's like World War II adventure films were like and were really legit for quite some time. You know, and uh, like, they were my favorite as a kid. Oh my love god, this. so much fun, so much fun!
0: And, and the fact that they they are they, very playful.
1: Yeah, like right? it's not it's
0: a, like everyone they're like, not taking themselves too seriously, right? And I think that's kind of the thing that I kind of like. You guys know, sometimes I I just like some relief movies. I'm not trying to say that I just you know I want fluff movies. You guys know how I love sure, some very but, serious movies, but. Right.
1: But you want a you want a wide palette you know you want to be I able do. to like yeah you know just like I want enjoy a little this. bit of everything and right. this
0: one was kind of like oh my god and i would just watch it again recently and i was like this is like these are bombs going off everywhere it's just craziness this i mean it it feels like if they did this today this film would be 150 million,
1: $200 million Oh, sure film. And and like it would, I think it would be shocking to see so many real explosions. I think we're so used to CG explosion, we don't even know what they real explosions well, look when like you anymore. you
0: start to see those
1: buildings collapse, yeah, yeah, under yeah. the explosion with all the rocks falling down, yeah, that's real. That's that's that real. The I
3: see how covered that was. This I love this film because I love war films.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Pardon me, but there was a Brad Pitt movie from ten years ago where he's a tank commander.
1: Oh yeah, Fury. Yeah.
3: Uh, great yeah. explosions, great tank battles. Intense. That yeah, that is yeah, that's reminiscent of the 70s stuff. Yeah. That's very the closest so. thing. We it's talked about
0: do. doing that film actually. You brought it up and it's been on my list. So it's still on the list there. I think yeah, I think you'd get a kick out of Fury.
1: Fury's good. Fury's good. Very yeah. very interesting movie. Have
3: you seen it,
0: Chris? I haven't seen Fury. Oh, yeah.
1: That's but interesting. I mean I mean if, you know, yeah. But yeah, like I think that there's something to uh like I I do have a question like Let's see. So that's 1970. Uh Like oh, there's Telly a,
0: Savalas is
1: also a big Telly part Savalas, of... oh, obviously. No, telly. But like yeah. for the longest time post World War II, it was completely appropriate to treat uh, World World War II as a subject for adventure film. Like, yeah. like it, it didn't have to be like grim, serious, heavy. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's silly, filmed. it's fun, you know, all this stuff to the point where like they even had on TV, if people will remember, uh, Hogan's Heroes, yeah. which is a concentration camp show I know. where the prisoners pers- of that. war That's well, really as, what it as is. a sitcom, as a, as a, a single Imagine camera sitcom. That. Jesus. Right? And so, yeah, like,
0: but, I mean, and it, there was a, by the way, there was a movie about that called Autofocus, right? Autofocus, yes. Oh, a great, which, great little movie. Great little movie. movie. I love that film. The,
1: one of the hardest Movies to watch. Oh, it's so, it's so, it's very, it's great performance by Greg Kinnear. He is terrific in it. And William it's a, Defoe, He is like so. Tom Hanks' wife. It's like, it's great. It's just great. And, uh, and is that, is, is that Trader did that? I can't remember. It was someone like that. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a weird, upsetting little, uh, uh, f- funny, weird film. Well, the problem about it is that it's based on that character,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's funny and mm-hmm. everything's funny. And then suddenly it's like, this is a very dark side it's of the funny, very serious.
1: And it's a true story too, right? It's a true story. Yeah. And so like, there's a, there's a certain like, uh, like I guess it almost hooks to flags of our fathers and like, like the propaganda during world war two of it being, you know, good guys versus bad guys, etc. So hardcore, uh, that we didn't really get to approach the uh, that topic with any sense of reality, you know, until much later, much like decades and decades later, um, and so it's still for up until the seventies, it's seen as a perfectly appropriate sort of rambunctious comedy setting, uh, as well as a giant action adventure setting.
0: Well, it's also okay. Let, let's do this because we're talking
1: nineteen seventy,
0: right? Mm-hmm. So we're just at like. In the Vietnam War era, yeah, right, right, right. And right. so Vietnam War is like, no, we we can't celebrate Vietnam War, but right. World War II we can celebrate. We that. can do that. We can still have fun. We can we still can have fun, still have this, fun right. in, in, in in that time. So right. there's something about uh, about that that I think is kind of interesting, just to think about how uh, how they they look at that and what what that is and what that means. Right.
3: My cynicalness. Honestly, my cynicalness always felt like the 70s was the cutoff time period Mm -hmm. where decommissioned tanks could be Purchased by <laughs> yes. the public, right? And so the studios are like, "Wow, we got a you know six hundred Sherman tanks for thirty grand. Let's right. do something.
1: Get George C. Scott on the phone. Let's start shooting." Well, first of
0: all, this movie is heavily about tanks as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. obviously, right? There's the Shermans versus the Tigers, right? Yep. right. Which is also a big deal, and like, how many Shermans do we have, and how many Tigers? And the Tigers were superior tanks, and all this right. other stuff. So it was really kind of
1: fascinating, right? And and this is also to bring Clint into the conversation. Like this is at the height of his like real Hollywood handsome persona. Like yeah, like he looks great. He's so fun, you know. Like he's just a stone cold fox in this movie. It's just amazing. And he's like light fun, Clint. You know, he's cool, but it's like fun. It's like fun cool. You know, it's well, not like, he's it's not like part Dirty of a, Harry. He's
0: part of an ensemble. At the yeah, same exactly. Time, right. So exactly. it's not just about him being Dirty Harry or right. about the, his character. He plays on tightrope, which I oh, right. they gave that away. But anyway, well, uh, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, but anyway, so that's the thing he does. Right. So uh, but he is he is he is like and he's a soldier, which is a, a trope that he's done. He's done the cowboy. He's done the soldier. Right. Right. He does the cowboy, he does the soldier, he does the cop. Those are three things that he does a lot. And 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 like he
1: had just two years earlier been in Where Eagles Dare as Clint Eastwood in a World War II movie. (laughs) (laughs) This is his his shtick. And then as you're saying, like 71, he changes everything. He changes the attire. uh, He's like, I'm Dirty Harry or Man With No Name. I'm I'm a director. And I'm a director. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like this is the last of old Hollywood Clint you see. This is the last of Bonanza Clint. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's a cool one though. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a cool one. So it was
0: definitely something I thought you know we're celebrating. It's 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 worth a watch. And I got to tell you, if you've never seen this film, uh, you should watch it just for the pyrotechnics. It's like what the oh my god, yeah. so it's much radical. stuff going on. And it is a great. Uh, besides, you know, besides that, obviously. It's still a classic uh, 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 heist film, which I thought. You know, I I was thinking about this with with you, Eric, because I know you love uh, you love your your your, um, your yeah, heist I love thing. my heist yeah. film. you love your heist film, and this is this classic. Like, we're going to get the gold. We have to yeah. get the gold, right? So it's like there's a goal, and they have to figure it out. They have to go over here. There's a stop, and there's a thing. There's all kinds of things but they, they have a goal and there's a destination and that kind of situation I think is kind of
1: well it's also this is some this is drawn on heavily for uh, Clooney and uh, Wahlberg in um the Iraq War version of this movie. Uh what's it called? Uh it's it's a really good movie. Spike too. Jones? Yeah. Spike Jones film? Spike Jones, yeah yeah no 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 no, no not Spike, no, Spike Jones film. Spike uh, it's not Spike Jones's directorial film. Oh but King, he, King he is King's a, Kings, three kings, three, three king kings. That's what three it kings. is. Yeah, and so like it's if you like three kings, this is the World War Two era. Uh, you know, raw rawhide uh, Hollywood Clint. Uh, stuff and like uh, you know it's a you know it's that era when they have
0: the music in the background
1: with
3: uh what's his name from paper moon ryan uh ryan o'neill, ryan O'Neill. jesus he's so bad in that movie
1: he said <laughs> uh, listen i like i i i love him in paper moon and i love him in I barry Lemmon, him in right but, uh. Oh, we've yeah. been talking about doing Paper Moon forever, man. Pa- yeah, like, he is hysterically funny in Paper Moon, and he is perfect for Barry Lyndon, but he, Ryan O'Neill is not a very, very good actor overall. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Ryan, if you're listening. Most of his movies, like, you're like, oh, brother. This but didn't we brother. actually
0: talk about that? It was like. We think that Kubrick hired him as I th- an actor I because he, he wasn't
1: that good. Exactly, he's, like he's a out a of his he's out of his depth. In Barry Lyndon, he plays a guy who's out of his depth by being an actor who's out of his depth. I I know that's cruel to him. He's had a wonderful career. He's very successful, uh, but I I really believe that you know when you when you see him in that movie and he's so thoroughly Ryan O'Neill in uh, this absolutely flawless reproduction of a time period. That's why Kubrick was doing it. I think that's, By the way, that's pretty much what <clears throat>
3: Yeah, in this movie that you saw, George Kelly's C- Kelly hero George Savalas is in it. George Savalas. Yeah. That's the younger brother of, of, of oh, uh, Telly. Uh, yeah, nice. look at his photo, dude. He totally <laughs> looks like a, like a member of the Gambino crime family. <laughs> Hold I love it. I love hey, it. talk yeah, to yeah, Georgie. Uh, Donald Sutherland. He's as, our drop guy. He's as, going as, down to
0: Atlantic the, City. He'll deal with it. Talk to Donald George Sutherland is like the weird hippie character, yeah, which right, is
3: hilarious. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, really, really funny. When I uh, lived in the West Village in New York on Seventh, Tenth, and Seventh. There was a Greek diner right at my corner of Christopher Street because I overlooked Christopher and Seventh. Oh, you were right in the heart of the game district. Mm -hmm. I was next to uh, Stonewall. Oh, you was Awesome. Yeah, but there was a Greek diner and that was Telly's favorite diner. And – it, it was like a shrine to him on the wall, like, Telly. So every time I'd go and get, like, a tuna sandwich, it'd be like, the Hall of Telly. They loved him. He's so wonderful.
1: Did they have, a, like, a, a sandwich called the Who Loves You Baby? Who Loves You uh, Baby. He had
3: a crooked finger, you know. He had a crooked finger. Yeah. Oh, his finger actually up. was uh, faced the wrong way. So his thumb uh-huh. actually went out on a right angle. That's oh, why that's he wears wild. gloves, or he's holding a newspaper. Uh, interesting. You only see his right hand. That's wild. I did not know this. Telly Savalas, man.
0: Telly Savalas, and Len Lester, was also in it, who plays Uncle Leo.
1: On oh Seinfeld. yeah, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. is
0: very good because he's the guy who's got a, he's got the inventory. He's got to figure out how to get them trucks and all that other equipment right. And stuff, right? And what's funny is uh, um, uh, Don Rickles plays the guy who. He's <laughs> doing the math and he fucks up the math. He loses the decimals. It's like, it's $1.4 million. It's like, no, my God, it's $14 million. $14 million. Yeah, it's like half a billion dollars in those times. Yeah, it's a yeah. crazy amount of money. Yeah. And they have to divide it amongst like 50 people.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like but, the whole troop. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's a, like, it is a, uh, like, I was actually thinking, like, there are probably more good war heist films than there are actual heist films. Like there's, it's a whole genre unto itself and it's really, really fun, you know, and it makes it okay to kill lots and lots of Nazis and shit. Like nobody cares. And so you can have like all the, all the spectacularness that you want, uh, and not feel bad. like a heist film and Exactly. Basically, yeah. it's basically it's Glorious Bastards. Inglourious so he, pulls, Bastard. he entirely pulls from that stuff. Yeah. You know, like it's all about breaking into the, doing the theater and blah, blah, blah. They love it. You know, Like he, he, he grabs that. That sense of joy really, really well. Uh, and also questions it, you know, like it, it points out, like, what the fuck are you laughing at? You know, it's pretty fun, but like, I think that for Eastwood, like, and for top East- secret, don't forget about top and secret, top <laughs> secret. Yes, my cut. He's just a little horse. The, uh, but with Eastwood and the uh, Sutherland being in the same, actually Eastwood, Sutherland, Savalis, and like, pick your poison on 40s actors, Don Rickles like you can see what a weird mishmash the time period was in terms of entertainment because yeah. directly after this it splits up into like dirty harry and fucking uh you know robert altman movies mash you know like it's like yeah. what the fuck is going on <laughs> you know then the velvet you know, like everything gets <laughs> yeah. really weird Blue right Velvet's everything neat. gets really weird but it's like these uh but this this one this one movie holds all those kinds of personalities and styles together, uh, and it's the, for Clint, it's like, you know, Ra- Rawhide Clint has his movie bow, and then from this point on, he becomes himself. Yeah. I mean,
0: this is him saying, I was like, I'm yep. glad you guys enjoyed this. I've got a That's been fun. Yeah. We Thank got you. we got
1: some we got some other deconstructionist shit to yep. do. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. Okay. So let's uh let's move on to uh Eric, your second pick of a film. What's your second pick of a film? So you what was your first pick again? First pick was Perfect
3: um, World.
1: <clears throat> Perfect World. World. And what's your second pick?
3: Second pick was
1: Play Misty Forming. Oh, there you go. Well, same time period. That's 70, what? 74, 73? Nope. 71.
0: 71. Right 71, there. 71. So nice. a year after Kelly's
1: Heroes. Yep. Just his the first is, film as a director. Yep. That's right. That's right. Okay.
3: And uh, it is a story about he is up in Carmel. So he basically shot it in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he is a disc jockey. And he aspires to do more. And so he's trying to apply for a job. At a bigger radio station in San Francisco with a broader audience and so forth. And he has a girl that he dates, but they split up or they are going through a tough time. So they're separating a little bit to take a breather. And he hooks up with this woman who basically it's Basic Instinct. And mm-hmm. if you watch Basic Instinct, it's the same movie. She starts to, they have an affair. One night stand and then she all of a sudden shows up with food and she starts cooking and hanging out and he's like, I didn't invite you over. And he starts to push back. Then, um, she starts to push back as well. And then all of a sudden she starts to get very unstable and he can't get rid of her. And it, it, you know, in a nutshell, it's a well, well directed film. Mm-hmm. Small cast. He's kind of the head of it. Um, but he really pulls, um, Does some really great. You can tell it's also the lighting is not super fantastic on it. It's just enough to get you by. It's TV. It's TV. It's TV, yeah. But it works. Mm -hmm. And he's a, he's just holds it together. And it's really, I'm telling you, there's some stuff in there that people have ripped off for the last 30 years. Oh, sure. Right. Because, um, it's really basic instinct. And she starts, um, he gets back with the girl who, uh, Donna, um, what's her name from Falcon Crest? Donna Mills. Mm -hmm. And he gets back with her and then she has a sublets, an apartment. And it turns out she sublets to this girl who, yeah. And it's so creepy and she, it's some bloody scenes and she really goes after them and it's literally just like basic instinct. I watched it again. I watched it about five months ago, you know, I used to watch about every 10 years. I just – I thought it was a very strange film. The underlining was really creepy. I thought the woman – I think she passed recently. She – who played uh, the actress that he had an affair with and goes crazy, does a great job of being – Jessica Walter? Yeah, and she basically – She played
0: also – just to note, she played the the mother – in uh, 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 Arrested Development. That's yes, right.
3: Yes, that's right.
2: That's
0: and right.
3: She, uh, she is so good in that, but she's great as a crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just the tone of her voice and her kind of impulses where he's like getting uncomfortable and tries to kick her out. She makes these strange scenes in front of people, but she's very unstable. And he's kind of stuck with this situation because he hooked up with her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it starts to affect the rest of his life. Right. And I'm sure after that movie came out in 71, like condom sales probably went down across the country. Yeah, it's like,
1: don't Nobody get involved. was like, I'm going to have an affair. Even though right. it was the seventies, right. like,
3: nah, I'm not going to do That's that. It's
1: okay. I saw Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's just cause
3: she's completely psycho and you don't right. pick it up early on right. that how unstable she is. And she right. does a really great job as of. As being unstable. Yeah. Um, so I, and considering he directed it, I thought it was, that's his first film directing.
1: Yeah. And well, and now I think you might agree with me on this, that like, he, he always credits, uh, two directors as his major influences. Don right? Siegel. Don Siegel and, who's Sergio, in the film. Yeah. And Sergio Leone. <laughs> like, I, like, I, like, everyone talks about like, you know, his, like, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's a Leone guy. I'm like, I don't see a lot of Leone in Eastwood's direction. Like oh, I mean, he you loves, know what you he, see in
3: mm-hmm. is the camera work, the zoom ins.
1: Yeah, like it, it for sh- the killing it sh- and stuff like that. It shows up. It the definitely emphasis, shows up. Yeah, right. like yeah, like when it gets violent, that, that's where it, it gets a little bit more design, like a, a Leone design. But his overall direction is Siegel. Like I think Siegel made a bigger, bigger impact on him in terms of how he works with actors and how he builds the tension of a scene than anybody. Because, like, Siegel is so fucking efficient. Like, that guy is, he's such, he was such a pro that uh, there was no, like, the only Don Siegelness about a movie was that it was good. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's what really made an impression on him. When he, when he did play Misty, I think he was just like, this is a Siegel. I'm doing, uh, Don's going to be on set, and I'm. Well, I'm he be... asked him to be, because he was nervous. Mm-hmm.
3: And so he basically asked him to be. A, a, take a role so that way he can give him help and he also feel less nervous about directing yep. his first film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very very like he is not I I think that he his his whole career is uh is not a big he doesn't act on the auteur theory. You know, I think he is an auteur, but like I think that he he avoided that sense of personal style in his directorial choices and his uh and his main I think
3: like. it's because also he chooses efficiency mm-hmm. as a is as a business mm-hmm. so everything is just do it this way and yeah it's a, good tv and, right that's yeah. that's the source of good tv yeah. and it's very tv like mm-hmm. but
1: good yeah um, yeah that's, not, that's and, not a christmas and that, considering so. it's his first film it's it's very good yeah and and i, I think that he's uh Cause I have actually, been, because I've been reading the Tarantino book, like I've been watching a lot of old, a lot, a lot of 70s movies, that I'm cleaning up a bunch of stuff that I hadn't seen. And, uh, like they're famous, they're pretty famous movies that I, I don't think are as good as *Playing Misty for me. Like he's, he's a really good director right out of the gate. Uh, like he's, he's such a pro by that point. He's been working. When was the first time he ever showed up in a TV show? Like I young... think it was the late 50s. Yeah.
3: You know, so uh, he... I'll tell you right now, he's been here it is. Every Clint Eastwood film The Revenge of the Creature nineteen fifty five. Yeah. So he has
1: been in the fucking game for his whole life, every Star single time. Star in match. the Dust. Right. Yeah. He's turning Ambush ninety three Shimmeron Chim- Pass. That's yeah. something I would make up. Right.
0: We should note this. Okay, a couple things. This is an Eric podcast idea. Uh and Eric had concerns that Eastwood is old. no. <laughs> <laughs> so he's up there. We're going to do that's the way it and is. And we, we 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 all agreed that we love who he is mm-hmm. and what he does uh and we don't necessarily agree with his political point of view but we agree right. that we love his as a filmmaker and we had concerns about that but he is celebrating a birthday so it was like we have to do something with Eastwood and so this became like let's do as much Eastwood as possible, all in one yep. thing. Uh, yep. And I'm not trying to dismiss it and say we shouldn't do seven episodes because we will continue to do Eastwood films, and we There's already have done of, yeah, several it. of them. We did Thunderbolt, we did uh, uh, yep. Good Man Ugly, uh and we've done you know things like that. But um, nonetheless, this was a thing. He's a he's ni- he's 92 right now, and, yep, he's, going and he's directing
1: his last film. His, his supposedly last film. So that's it. I don't know any directors directing at ninety two. No, ninety two no. is quite high. There are a couple. But the the it's a pretty limited club. It's hard to even get there, let alone keep directing. <laughs> um but even then, like uh, unlike um uh other contemporaries, like you know, Woody Allen keeps on trying to have movies, but there's a steep decline in his his quality. His yes. quality. Like he's like he's still he's still Making semi-interesting movies, but they're pretty lazily produced. They're not very focused, and he's not interested in working particularly hard on stuff, which I understand. I mean, it's up there, but I mean, like Clint is still even like his last a couple movies, like Cry Macho and stuff. Like they're not his best work, but they're not like bad movies. They're pretty good movies, right? And so he's still he's still turning like the the, he's making better movies now than some of his movies that he directed during like the eighties. Yeah. So like he's he's still got quite well together. And, uh, and I'm, I'm interested to see whatever he does as his, uh, as his curtain call. Uh, cause I'm sure he's going to drink, you know, he's going to be able to bring in a healthy cast and they'll give him all the money he needs to do whatever he wants. If it's his last picture, do we know what the title of that movie is going to be? It's, it's like passenger something passenger 16. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. I don't even know what it's about really.
3: Oh, I know what it is about. What's about? That's very interesting that he's doing that. Because I could be wrong what it's about, but mm-hmm. there is a theory that there was another flight um during the um uh 9/11. Really? Yeah, and there was other people, there was a, there's a theory that there was another plane, mm-hmm. but because of slowing, you know, taking off, it, it was backlogged. Mm-hmm. It took off later. So by the time it was in the air, it was uh, too late. Well, not too late. It wasn't Everything else already happened. Yeah, okay. happened. Right. So that plane mm-hmm. was rerouted to Ohio or mm-hmm. somewhere else, and then everybody got off. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah, he he's
0: like
3: that. That's, so this that's, is like
0: there's several people that were ready to do the same thing and then just – Yeah, let me look it up. up. There It'll is a theory behind
3: it. that. And there's actually some um, – It's let me look up passenger. I could be
1: wrong. What um, It's called passenger 16? Some, something like that. I'm not really sure. I definitely know, don't know what it's about. Uh, but I believe it's no. passenger um, 16. No. Like what you're describing would fit into his later yep. period interests. Yeah, but yeah. I, mean, I mean, like
0: hereafter and all that other stuff he did as well. Hereafter,
1: right? we, I don't think anyone was picked hereafter. I actually, I really enjoy hereafter. Even yeah, though yeah, that's yeah, an yeah. extremely strange movie for him. It's to It's a very have strange made. film. I was, I was very close
0: to picking it. Believe it or not. Yeah, that's uh, a that's an interesting movie. And I was honestly like the. Here's the thing, and it had nothing to do with Eastwood. Eastwood's his film is good and everything else. But I was going to pick it because of the freaking tidal wave scene, which is – Oh, that's I right. Think, yeah. Wow. I think that, that is peak Scanline. like yeah, scanline's, tip top. Tip the top. best thing that they've ever done with water yeah. was that tidal wave scene.
3: For which movie? Hereafter. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was called the fifth plane. So I could be wrong, but there is that theory. It's interesting. It does. People say, "Oh, you're crazy." It's not. But there is a lot of supporting evidence, and it wouldn't surprise me.
1: I, I certainly like. I think that, that it's I, you know, nine eleven is. Uh, not, we'll not go off on a whole thing, but nine eleven has so completely fallen out of the public consciousness it's in crazy. any meaning, in any meaningful way, um, and it. I think it's it's a testament to how little we did to actually process that and uh and uh i think there's going to be i i predict there'll be a wave of movies that try to represent this that will be very interesting because like there's so much and because i'm i i used to be a 9-11 conspiracist because i was on manhattan for 9-11 and it was very shocking to be there i'm no longer a conspiracist I. I'm out of the rabbit hole and all that stuff. But I do believe that though, like, there's just a lot of stuff that we sort of glazed over in order to pull ourselves together as a nation. Um, there, that there are worthwhile stories still out there to be told, not conspiracy style, but like interesting things. Um, that would be very moving. Uh, and so, like, I hope, I hope that someone takes on what you're talking about, Eric. That's interesting.
0: I think there's people who want to have a very specific history told
1: yes Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and they don't like the alternative of that history
1: yeah i think that's i think that's fair to say you know and i think that's like the you know because i um i think that we let we tend to like conspiracy we fall for conspiracy theories because they're super simplified versions of our greatest fears so they're like comic book versions of real fears um and so i think that uh there's like there's ways to. It's also gossip. Yeah, it's and it's gossip. It's gossip. Right. You know, and I like think the... gossip people like. Did he hear this? I heard. Right, they yeah. Fake and the moon landing. Yeah. And well, it's like and for like for my for my own experience, like the reason why I fell down that rabbit hole is because like it's inc- you know like it's incredibly scary to be in a situation like that and to have some sense of control over it by mm-hmm. s- thinking that you have secret knowledge, like uh helps you process it uh as even being a part of it and uh so i i totally get where people are coming from when they when they follow that they identify with i need some control in my life and this gives me a sense of secret control i get it you know but like realistically you know it's like we get involved like this you know this is the politics of the world like things are very complex and they add up to situations which are also complex and i think that we've never really you know we did that with we processed vietnam the films we made about Vietnam, um, we did explore. it in a
0: weird way, like mm-hmm. like zombie films. Yep. <laughs> things oh like yeah, one hundred percent. Or
1: all, like all superhero films, like all Marvel well, films. Uh,
0: no, all, all superhero films came out of nine eleven. Yes. that's one hundred percent. That is our theory, and I think it's a very strong and good theory. Mm-hmm. Right. That we did superhero films because, and you know, here is the irony. Uh, Spider-Man was being filmed at that time. Yeah, that's right. Right? And they were going to have Spider-Man develop a giant web between the two towers to, cap, to catch the bad guy. Yeah, right. And they had to and reshoot seriously. the entire thing. They had to redo the whole thing, right? Yeah. And that was like – but it was funny because like, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't take it seriously. It's like – and all they did is lean into the whole superhero genre. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you took a little bit of little a tangent turn there. That's okay. But yeah, so like Eric, you were saying.
0: Yeah, um, we were still talking about Misty, which Misty. is cool, right? right? Uh and 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 I think I think the things that I that I was, you know, getting from your pick on that is one is it's very powerful. It's his first directorial thing, right? Also, you went
3: with the idea that you like small films that he makes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like smaller films and and in- there's more intimacy. There's more, you know, shooting and getting things out and getting your ideas across are a lot easier. And everyone's on the same page if it's a good team, and uh, you can make something very effective without having a huge, you know, Star Wars size, you know, <laughs> right? Crew, right? Which is just to me, I don't like that. That's, uh,
1: you know, it can get in the way. It can really get in the way.
3: It gets in the way, yeah. and then the look suffers. Right. So it's, I don't know, I, I. I like those smaller gambles and that's why I think heist films are good because, you know, everything is small about, yeah, Yeah. it's focused and, uh, it's not like you're going to do a heist film with 30 people singing like the Chicago chorus line or something. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be something. (laughs) Nobody's ever made a musical heist film. But also like the, this movie would be a really good we 're going to break
1: in we 're breaking in in <laughs> but yeah he's uh with, with play misty like he 's also right out of the gate like he that 's i mean it 's a political it 's a politically tinged movie right. It, like in terms of sexual politics and, uh, you know, of the time period. And the movie goes in and out of favor, whether or not it's a sexist movie to have a female villain and that kind of jazz. Well,
3: hold on a second. He punches her at the end.
1: Yeah. And right. she
3: violently goes over the edge into, you know, this, the water, cliffs of, uh,
1: Carmel. Right. So, right. yeah, he punches her. It's, it's, it's a- intense. Right? Yeah. And and you see a lot and there's a lot of actually there's a lot of stuff like this, like in I just saw The Outfit with Robert Duval. Like Robert Duval slaps the shit out of Karen Black and then maybe like really, really, really bad. And the next scene they're just fine and you're like Okay. <laughs> I guess that's their relationship. Uh, but like I think that it's good that Clint is, you know, uh he he wants to make audiences uncomfortable from the get go and uh and like he is the one who is sort of making the bad choices in play misty he's just paying a very high price for bad choices uh but it's an overall upsetting setup for people uh and i think that's what he wants to do it's like he wants to you know force people to think about the things that they assume are true and uh like cuz you also see this in dirty harry like dirty harry is thought of as a classic conservative you know you know cops shooting you know, whoever they want movie. Uh, when I rewatched it recently, I was like, everyone that the killer kills in this movie, it's like, he killed, like he, uh, kills a woman in the beginning, goes uh, after a transsexual, uh, two, a g- uh, gay, two, ga- two gay men, uh, a black, uh, kid, right? right? Like everyone, like, so it's design the movies, the, the villain of the movie is, uh, is killing people that traditionally liberal, uh, politics focuses on as we should care for these people. And, uh, and it's giving this sort of voice of vengeance via dirty Harry to the liberal reaction. Like mm-hmm. it's saying like, you, you guys really feel strongly about this. You should employ me to go kill these, this crazy man. Right. And so it's so juxtapositional in its politics as opposed to being simply right wing, which is like later death wish, you know, yeah. Later, later death wish is 100 reagan there's the good guys there's the bad guys oh, vigilanteism. That. Like, yeah. right but yeah. in de- right to bear arms and kill anyone i want to yes exactly <laughs> but uh but dirty harry is an actually very pointedly uh like in opposed movie within itself and don siegel himself who directed it is a was a straightforward liberal like and he talked mm-hmm. about it. it was just like yeah i'm making dirty harry to sort of like Engage with the right wing agenda in a way that I understand. You know, I think that's really—I think that's—that's that's the kind of politics that Clint comes from. He's not there to make a big statement that he's the good guy and he wins. He's saying, like, let's set this up for maximum tension in the audience within themselves. And Play Misty is 100 a part of that.
3: Yeah, and it's awesome. a great film. Yeah, all right. I, I highly very, recommend people watch that movie. film. It's a good movie. I,
0: I think Play Misty is a great pick. Uh, for our fourth uh, movie. and now we need to move on to our fifth movie. And Daniel, that is your pick. What is your second pick for this?
1: Uh, my second one is a Clint movie that I had never seen, and this is the first time viewing for me. Um, it is a it is a political movie. Um, and it is a movie that was very angrily and poorly received. Um, by the liberal establishment, uh, and I rather loved it. I thought it was great. And that movie is Richard Jewell. Oh uh, yeah. That's a good film.
0: When did, when did Richard Jewell come
1: out? It is uh, 2019. So it's, it's a lo- good film. It is a really, really good movie and a very powerful small scale movie. Um, with a couple of just killer performances. Kathy, the Bates, mother is played by- Kathy, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates yeah. is, is incredible in this thing. Um, and unlike, you know, say a perfect world, like it has, it doesn't really have any clunkiness. There's an opportunity for clunkiness that, uh, that could have, that could could have gone wrong, but yeah. actually still works. Uh, and, uh, and the movie I thought was a really. Oh, like, I
0: haven't seen this movie either. But I really want to see it. It's a good film.
1: It's it's very, very good. It's very good. The, uh, the, the key guy playing Richard Jewell is I've seen him in one other thing. He's very good in called blackbird for Apple. And, uh, and what's really great is like right from the get go, like they don't make him a really like secretly likable guy. Right. Like he's, for people that don't know, this is the, uh, um, the Olympics bombing in, uh, what 90 Atlanta in Atlanta. Right. Uh, where, uh, the pipe bombs went off and killed uh two people and injured like a hundred people. And the, uh, uh, like a security guard, Richard Jewell had found a backpack with the pipe bombs in it and alerted the cops and, you know, got everyone away and got back, but they didn't stop it in time and it exploded and killed a couple of people. And then later on, the press was like, Wait a minute. What did Richard Jewell actually place that pipe bomb there so he could stand up as the hero of the day? Yep. Right? And they stone cold destroyed his life. Yes. Like they, did. they pilloried this guy. He was the instant he went from hero to hideous villain and was cruelly, like shredded for months in the news. I remember this very clearly. Yeah. Um and it turns out he, he was he was actually a hero <laughs> well, it's completely sad. wrong and that the uh, the press and the FBI once they had sort of started the 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 machine going John towards him Bo- John Hamm. Yeah, he's one of the villains. And, uh, once the FBI and the, uh, and the press, cause the press is making so much money on selling anti-Richard Jewell stories that they just kept plowing ahead with it and just like, oh, he's a demon, he's a devil, he's a blah, 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 and reckoning his life and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it turns out he didn't do it and they're they like, oh, sorry. You know, and you're just like, dudes what the fuck um and so uh it's an interesting version of this particular story which is great the central guy playing richard jewell is a uh is very effective because he is not likable like he's a very good actor but the way he plays him is like exactly who i would expect you know who richard jewell should seem to be who's like not that bright um it's real security guard it's a security guard he's like he's really enthusiastic about proving he's just like a cop you know and just like he no, wants to be a cop he wants, to be, he cop and, wants to be a cop and you know and so he's just constantly saying sort of stupid shit like he's uh he's a little he's a little backwards he's a little hickish you know he's like You know he's living with his mom, and there's just he's he's yeah he's very overweight. He's a big round guy, Um, and like he's the kind of guy that would just get made fun of relentlessly. You know, and he'd be made fun of not only by you know people who make fun of him because he's fat or whatever it is, but also it's just like he's the kind of like uh you know hick gun toting conservative moron that that
3: you would blame a park bomb on, so a park bombing on. Right. <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> right and uh and and you get to empathize with him quite deeply through clint's direction and this guy's performance but they never make him secretly smart you know or they don't they never play a card like where you just go if you only knew the real guy like you really get to know him and you feel bad for him but it's not like you'd like like to know him you know, like he's exactly who he you judged him to be before uh, the incident, and uh, and there's an integrity to that that I think really makes the movie work. Right. Um, it's also got uh, Sam Rockwell, who's fucking great, and Rockwell sells everything for me. Like Rockwell's yeah, always he's, fantastic. He's a great actor. Um, but Kathy Bates is the secret weapon. Like they don't use her very much, but when they do, like she plays like doting, kind, over-loving mom. And when you see her break down even just a little bit, like all the emotions, the rest of the cast is in building up the whole the whole thing together as an ensemble. She gets to tip it over the edge and really make you feel bad um, in the end. And it's brilliantly, brilliantly handled. And like Eastwood is like such a master of like the small schedule, like what you're saying, Eric. it's like the small scale actor to actor drama mm-hmm. is just phenomenal like it 's just phenomenal, and so like the the uh the reason why this movie was hated is because uh, it is the subject like the subject the uh you know um, like i I hate to sound like a conservative i 'm not a conservative, but like li- the liberal press shredded this movie, and the thing that they picked on was that John Hamm and olivia wilde 's characters are fictional characters like they are amalgams. Of, like, everybody at the FBI, uh, who worked to screw over Richard Jewell is represented as John Hamm, right? And she, Olivia Wilde, everyone, all the newspapers who were, uh, you know, sponging money up off of, sh- you know, shredding this dude is represented by Olivia Wilde. And then, uh, Olivia Wilde, uh, uh, sleeps with John Hamm to get information. Right? This is a fictionalized version, uh, of a meta- a metaphorical version of what really happened. And then movies do this literally all the time. Movies that the liberal press agrees with, so they don't pick on them for this. But because this is a particular subject where the liberal press got a black eye, they're like, we should dismiss this movie because this is fictionalized. And I was just like, you guys are fucking idiots. This movie is brilliant and it's beautiful. And it is something that's very relevant to say, um, in a general way that has, nothing how did to it do happen?
3: With. Why does something like this happen?
1: Right. And like, and it's, and it really is about, um, something that I believe very strongly in, which is, you know, Werner Herzog's idea of, um, truth in film versus accountants truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And like movies, like you can, and th- this is what, Uh, now finally I get to pick on the right wing. Like Trump and Trump supporters and all that shit, right? All these people sell that stuff because they cherry pick little bits of fact and then tell whatever story they want out of that. That's right. right. And, uh, and this is what they did against Richard Jewell on the other side, right? And, uh, that is the accountant's truth, where we're just like, "Look look at this fact, look at this fact, look at this fact, look at this fact, and I'm going to add that up in a way that I want to believe and call it my truth, right? Uh, even if it's destructive and even if it's not true, right? And uh, whereas real true things can be fictional, but still be very true. And that's what movies are, right? Like you're making, a, you're saying something that's really real and really applicable to everybody in real ways that make their life better. That's truth, you know, uh, and that's what this movie tries to differentiate between because like everybody who destroys Jules life is telling a story that's convenient for them to make money or mm-hmm. convenient, like they, they're they're taking his his real life and they're making it into their story and they're taking his real life and they're making it into I get to keep my job you know and so when i was watching this thing i was like this this movie is really about uh like if people had really talked about this movie openly they would have said like this is an anti twitter movie you know that this is about how we just railroad people because we don't we i don't like that fat fuck and i want to pin everything i hate about someone onto him whether or not he's to blame because it's convenient for me because I want to believe what I believe uh and like uh I'm just gonna draw a giant red circle around this person and feel perfectly fine and shredding them to pieces, even though I don't know them at all because uh it supports what I need uh and God, you sound like Chris it's like <laughs> it's, it's it's such not a, a negative Chris Please. it's such a brutal um. A uh, trap that we fall into, both on both sides of anything, in. and it's easy to fall into it because, like, there's fucking money to be made, you know? know. Well, that's the whole point,
0: right? I mean, that's what happened with our media right now is that, yeah, I making people angry is more profitable than telling them what's. Yeah. Truth. It's just
3: yeah. unsustainable, guys. It's just. It's, well, no, it's, it's brutal. No,
0: it is very sustainable. It's, no, <laughs> sustainable. it's not for a long, long <laughs> time. No, it's not. No, it's not. The faith it's, in the
3: media is going. And it's uh, I'm telling you this. It's and you'll see it around the election. It's their input. They're killing themselves and their legitimacy by continuing to do what they're doing, and well, I mean, so, look at, certainly, at CNN, right, and look at even Fox. Fox, is, Fox. Fox is a disaster. Fox, Fox is paying
0: been for it, uh, it by uh, yeah. seven hundred plus million dollars, and they're about to get sued
1: again. Yeah, like they, like they, they are such a giant lie machine. Like, and they didn't get called on they for a said, decade. We, we, we <laughs> preferred to lie because that's how we keep our viewers. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Like this, they've, they've, they've
3: built the story. I actually to... think. I, oh, go go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. I actually think that that court case is going to. My my, pre, it's. I could be wrong. I just think that court case that when they lost to Dominion, I think that's going to. There's something's going to happen. that's going to be overturned. Because
1: I wouldn't believe. I, 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 I wouldn't because happen. what
3: has happened is, and I'm not a Tucker Carlson defender, <laughs> is that he was assured by the attorneys at Fox. Because he his input really wasn't as big as other executives, and oh, I handed, that to be true. He sure, handed yeah. his he handed his phone over, and right. they released all that stuff. Yeah. So he's, what's going to happen? Convenient. But hold on, let me finish. Sorry, yeah. sorry, but because this is my theory, when this went down and he lost his job, I said that was part of the settlement because there are two companies that sure. make voting machines that sued. Dominion and this other one. The mm-hmm. other one is coming up, and that's for $3.2 billion. Mm-hmm. But Dominion got 700 But the thing was, because Fox released the information about uh, Tucker, mm-hmm. he's going to sue them, mm-hmm. right, Fox, and they're going to have to bring up and expose all the terms with Dominion. <laughs> yeah, and and the like- terms with Dominion are that Tucker gets fired. Right. My for hand Tucker, to God. Which, bus, yeah. <laughs> which is then comes to that's why it's, I I like, why is Dominion making 700 million and the other company's asking for 300 bill, 3 billion right. and so I thought that I've been thinking about this is because I think Tucker's going to sue Fox right then he can pull into court Dominion people and they have to release all the records right. and if Dominion made a pre-deal with Fox to say we'll reduce our your exposure financially, mm-hmm. but you fire him, then that can turn the whole fucking thing over. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's, there's – somebody fucked I, up. I, I, cer- and- I
1: certainly believe like, – it's like yeah, I, I have no – I have no emotions about Tucker Carlson at all. Like he looks like a terrible scumbag who lied to people for years and made money on it. But however, I definitely believe that there are worse people, people that, yes. than Tucker T- 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 <laughs> Carlson who are not paying the price uh, at all. But the
3: thing is, if Dominion went to them and said, we're going to sue you over this – he was a minor player. Both sides agree. Yeah. He was a minor player. Like but Rupert if that Murdoch. Was, yeah, but the, <laughs> like if that one. was the deal they yeah. made that we'll fire Tucker right. if you reduce the cost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Then Dominion's lawsuit, mm-hmm. right, about it hurting their company, It that's not really true, is it? Right. Because right. if it was that's, something that's, about business, yeah, you true, would get more terrible. money. Right. Yeah and not worry about Tucker, who cares about him? He's this short guy who is a newscaster or whatever. But the fact that he was in – no, no, I'm serious. The fact that he was included in a lawsuit, that totally ruins Dominion's stance.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
3: And Fox can even come back and say, well, we just lost the lawsuit to Tucker Carlson because it was all released. Yeah. And he won. Now he's super rich. And then the other thing is is that – Chris, I know you want to interrupt. Just give me a second – is that if Dominion, part of the terms for Dominion's lawsuit was to get rid of Tucker, then that means that their actual losses and how it would affect their business, it was not about that. Right? Right. Yeah,
1: so, I, 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 I can see where you're going from. I can see where you're coming from. I, you I, get I, my point. I, I, get, like, I get your point. Like, if, if it's, it's about like,
3: lost business, then ask for $3 billion and get it and put right. Fox out of business. But no, this is we're like going to take $700 million super super plus to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, super which super means room. why are you really super 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 suing them? Right. If if you want a host, you know some fucking
1: host to lose his job. Like I I guarantee you, like there is a that the backroom, the Uh, backroom deals, the backroom deals going on in this fucking thing are insane, insane. Because certainly, like Tucker Carlson, like we all we're all happy to jump on Tucker Carlson and say like say what we said, and like I don't feel bad about that at all. Like that dude was opening openly making a business out of lying to people for. a, A decade plus, you know, and if he's, if he, you know, if he gets hurt by this, that's something he did do himself. Dude, he's got so much money. But he's, yeah, he's just built a new business for himself. He comes from the chicken business.
3: Yeah. No, he was the fast food. No, the uh, TV dinner.
1: Yeah, Ty Tyson, right. Tyson. Uh, Tyson. Yeah. Yes. So like, he's like, he's like, he's already wrote his own ticket. He's going to be a billionaire again. It's fine. So he's fine. Rupert but Burdock, he's going to et see Fox is win. Nobody and touches those be- guys. It's all uh, clean and away. That's the way it is. That's the way it goes. Well, I
0: think it's interesting is like, the, cause, and and by the way I, I didn't interrupt you Eric at all because I think all of this is relevant to exactly the movie that Daniel is <laughs> trying to exactly, put out there exactly. which is about the media necessarily doing character assassination now yeah, and it's interesting that you put Tucker Carlson in the firing line of that character mm-hmm. assassination right right because well, it's
3: only because well, if I can just I'm not defending right, him is that that they said and I listened to a, a lawyer talk about this. He didn't say what I'm saying, but he was saying that they went to all the hosts. Uh, the other guy that I think is the most annoying guy in the world is Hannity. No God, and they Eddie went to fucking, him. Oh, he's the worst. Dude. <laughs> They're awful. They're awful. But they went to everybody and said, "Give us your phones because of the lawsuit." Right. They all said, "No, I'm seeking out just quickly out counsel outside of Fox." Tucker is the only one who said, "Well, I have counsel here at Fox." So I'll just give him my phone. Right. Do you know what I mean? So they violated the – to me, that's why I was like, why? And so he has every right to sue him. They violated his terms of counsel Mm -hmm. by releasing that. That's interesting. But my point is – and then I started thinking, why is Dominion asking for less, but he lost his job after? If he sues him for violation of his terms with the legal team of Fox, Mm -hmm. which he has every right to do, no matter what you think of him. He's an American. Right. right. That's going to expose records and Dominion's going to come back and take the stand. Yeah, and once right. they take the stand, it's like, well, was what were the terms right. of the deal?
0: You know, was it? So, but, but your point is basically it's if Dominion is if it's revealed that part of the terms was that Tucker Carlson was fired under the terms, then that's a thing. But if that doesn't happen, if it's not there.
3: No, no. Because what's, what's it, but been, but here's what, the problem is, but what's
0: been exposed. Sorry, just let me finish my thought. What's been said in the news so far is the reason they fired him is because he's a freaking liability. After they saw all the crap on his phone, right? right, right That's right, what's right. been said. But you're saying that Dominion said under the terms, fire Tucker Carlson, and then you don't have to pay the to 1.2 billion. You only have to pay 768 billion. That is right.
3: But he so, in so good you, faith gave it to exposed, a, then the whole shit goes. Well, down. here's what my thought is: that they violated his terms of counsel, internal counsel at Fox, by releasing his phone records, right? right. Because he didn't go to an outside attorney; he said, "Oh, I'll just go to you guys," right? Yeah, and, and there's he apparently him. now a new uh,
0: uh, like like uh, uh, investigation into how all of this leaked out of Fox as
3: well. Okay. But- But the point is – so he has every right to sue them. So Fox is going to get sued and settle, but he's going to say goes to court because he has a lot of money. And then that is going to – Dominion now has to testify, Mm -hmm. which then opens up another thing. And then Fox, at the end, will say, you broke the terms for our thing and our deal to get rid of – and then all of a sudden, maybe Dominion doesn't get $700 My point is is that they're not going to get their money because Fox, like idiots – You know, basically screwed over Tucker. All they had to do was fire him. Right. But they released his phone records to the public, which was given in council. That's a thing. I don't, it leaked. I don't, well, anyway. Who knows? There's a five person board at Fox, and nobody, the only
1: people, the board members that saw it. So somebody on the board released it. Here's what I think is going to happen billionaires don't pay. <laughs> like that's what's gonna happen. Okay. It's like, well, like all this, I, all this goes away. They're incredibly rich. Excellent points. Excellent
3: points. And it is related to. <laughs> it goes back to quickly. It goes back to the point I was saying that I don't think Dominion's gonna get their money.
1: Right? Maybe so. Maybe so. But I do think, like I, th- I do believe that, like the people that, uh, like Fox has built a business, right? out of lies and character assassination. That's right. Cause right. Murdoch started as a tabloid guy, right? This is it. And then like, and ultimately what Richard Jewell, the movie is saying, right? Is that like, we can, we can blame the media for being villains. All we want. Like that's us. Like we're the ones who want that to be true. Like the media can't make any money except that we give them money because they're telling us a story that we want to hear, right? And that is the narrative that we—that's the sweet, sweet narrative that we want uh, to believe that's in. What and what—that's what—that's what the money is, right? And so the way what? Twenty-four
0: our news just changed because they have to deliver. Be, the have to news deliver used to be a public service.
1: Yes, that's right. But now, now it's, it's about no longer, now it's about money, right? And the and the thing is that like, what we're addicted to is storytelling, yes. like that we imagine that all this stuff and everything we're involved in, like all this, like there's good guys, there's bad guys, there's blah, blah, blah. Like none of that is real. That is all 100% bullshit. And we are totally falling for it every day. And we're the ones who pay the price. Like, like, like we are both the media and Richard Jewell. Like we are destroying ourselves, uh, through this process. Because we cannot have the empathy to believe that maybe this guy is a human, as opposed to a Porky Pig, you know, and Snidely Whiplash combined,
0: or, or more specifically, like Batman and the Joker, right? Batman and the Joker, exactly. Like and we so, need a good guy and a bad guy, and that's, right, okay. I and mean, like, that's interesting because you know, coming from Clint Eastwood,
1: that's a really this is his perspective. this is his major theme in he, almost everything is like. He has his point of view. He like he has his point of view, sure, but he is never interested in bullshitting you. Like he's always interested in saying, like, this is where I come from, and you'll understand that, but we should always show maximum empathy towards the other side. Maximum empathy. Otherwise we'll end up in a Richard Jewell situation. You know? And like that goes from, you know, flags of our fathers in Iwo Jima to, to this. Where you're just like, this is this is like listen i know we're like we're here to kill the japanese that's the job today because we're at war however they are people right and if you don't if you don't have the ability to see that that's true then you are going to end up destroying yourself you know and Mm -hmm. i think that that's that's really what the movie ultimately is trying to say it's just like like we like we want we look at someone like richard jewell and we go like that's a conservative gun nut fat ass Fox news watching jerk off. And I want him to be guilty. So it fortifies my belief of myself as a good guy. And that's bad. (laughs) That's a bad guy thing to do. Yeah. You know, right. And, uh, and, and so to have, have the empathy that he does, uh, in making the movie, uh, and to generate that empathy with the actor for the audience uh, is what made people so angry at the film because they don't want to, uh, even 2019, you know. You, you, you don't want to give empathy to
0: someone you disagree with. Yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I agree. All right. But let, we, we need to get to the next one. And that's speaking exactly. of, of, uh, 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 reluctant heroes. Uh, I'm going to pick my second film.
1: Oh, I just want to say Peter Shamily has a really great point if you want to read that one out loud. Yeah. All uh, great points, Eric. You are very smart. You are very smart. That's an excellent point. Did he say that? No, he it's, did, it's really because. Where? Let me know, look. Justin me showed look. up in the chat, and we had to say, like, Peter is one of our biggest supporters oh, here at Martini no, yeah, I
0: think, I mean, his, his, he has the biggest wow. man crush for Eric. It's It's amazing. true. No, I
1: think he's, he's been sending us um, uncomfortable photographs and postcards for quite some time, but we yeah, really appreciate he, he that, yeah. that, uh, that he's here. That's uh, the
3: Shamu magic I like. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it's true. thank you, Peter. He's really there. He's really there. Thank you. He is, he is a very okay, guys, large don't man. Don't get jealous. He's a very Stop.
0: large man. Have you seen The Whale? It's a really good one. Shamu, uh, Peter, yeah it's, true. I get it. yeah, it's
1: true. It's a yeah. one in the same. But that's one nice. And... That's very nice. We, we appreciate all your hard work there, Peter. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you make some excellent, I mean, we we all really should reconsider Eric's two points. I do, I know after we record a show, I always think back and go like, was Eric right? Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and, 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 and Mr.
0: Shamu always tells us.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's usually he was... outside my window, soaring with a poster that says Eric was right. Eric but was right, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. He's a nice guy. Look, I.
3: Thank you, Peter. Let Eric talk is what I think he usually says.
1: <laughs> Let Eric talk. Outside the window, paper pressed against it. <laughs> <laughs> Let
0: but, Eric talk. And, and usually that hand. Don't so I have
3: is like a fan. Don't get jealous. It, Don't so. get jealous. Yeah, I
1: said, Jim, fried chicken grease or something. I mean, you can see right through it. It's really yeah. good. Peter Shamu. Oh boy. Okay. So
0: my second pick is going to be Unforgiven. Oh, uh, obviously. Here we go.
1: <laughs> the 800 pound gorilla.
0: Of yeah. yeah no, career. it is a very, very, uh, so here's the thing, right? Like it is a Western. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is a classic Western. Uh, uh it is a, uh, uh, uh movie. Uh-oh classic trope of westerns that involve a uh, 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 bounty mm-hmm. right small town revenge and just all of the all, this whole movie is
1: very simple tropes it's it's constructed of simple tropes the it's setups const- are simple right. The the payouts um, are complicated.
0: <laughs> it is complicated because, uh, what also happens in this film is there's a reluctant hero,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So, uh, and it's, uh, ju- just to put it, it's small town Wyoming, right? So, uh, Wyoming to this day is very remote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful country, the, beautiful country, yeah. beautiful country, beautiful yeah. country. But, uh, but I think only second to Alaska is the least populated state by uh, you know by square mile, right? Mm. Uh, so very, very, very remote. Uh, there's, uh, I believe, one uh, state representative and two senators. Which uh, makes that state, by the way, very powerful politically mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, and Was believe, Cheney from there? Yes, she is. She was a representative.
3: Well, no, the father too, right? The family. The whole,
0: Dick Cheney? Well, but Liz Cheney was there and she yeah. was recently kicked out because of her anti-Trumpism.
1: Because she is so normally conservative. <laughs> well, she basically
0: is like, this is bullshit. Yeah and and what 's his name from utah uh, uh, uh
1: Romney name uh, him uh, Romney yeah Romney yeah, 's always been the same Like Romney Romney's a classic super rich east coast intellectual uh, conservative yeah like that 's who he is his right? what 's
3: the company he started uh, the uh, the hedge fund uh, yeah it 's huge uh, you 'll know the name of it
1: yeah but that's, that's it's mitt, mitt romney and um, and what 's his name what was the, uh, and it's, Mitt, he, it's you Mitt, know the name. Mitt Romney and John Kerry are interchangeable just different sides of the aisle. Like they're, That's they're right. exactly the same yeah. same kind of person.
0: All right, I don't want to get into politics about this. I just want to talk about <laughs> What's <better>. the name <laughs> of his company? <laughs> right. We already went through a whole yep. What's the name thanks of his company? For your Let's pick, keep going. Daniel. Hey, I did that, well no was a good pick it was an appropriate one because right, right. we need to talk about the politics uh, uh obviously with uh, Eastwood. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a good one him talking to an empty chair was something we didn't even bring up. <laughs> that's
2: right that's right uh
0: mm-hmm. but uh but uh so but anyway it is a very very the thing that's different about unforgiven is that if you've never seen Unforgiven and you've heard, oh, it's one of the greatest westerns. It is actually very unassuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a very small western. Yep, it's a western. Yeah. It's a very small classic western. Yep, very much so. Um, and there's not. It's it's not a big thing. It's not Kelly's Heroes, nope. where there's a lot of shit going down. It is a very classic thing. So uh, basic premise is um, that there is a whorehouse in Wyoming in this small town run by um, – Gene uh, Hackman. The, Gene Hackman is the, the – thank you – is the uh, sheriff. Little and Bill. Little Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one guy gets very pissed off at one of the prostitutes because – uh, she laughs at the fact that he has a small penis. Yes. And slashes her face, mm-hmm. which now makes her less valuable property, but yes. also hurts the crap out of her.
1: <laughs> yeah, also yes, slashes her possible.
0: face. Slashes her face, <laughs> right. Right? right? But they see her as property, and so the judgment is just give us horses to replace your property with my property which is kind of a BS thing. And
1: this cuz this is the the owner of the brothel, the the bar/brothel, slash brothel, right, right? is is uh uh you know this kind of his name is Skinny and Skinny yeah. is like a skinny guy and he's a scumbag, right? And the whole thing degenerates into this cost of how is Skinny going to be uh compensated for the loss of a prostitute? Like as opposed to the dude cut up this woman's face. Like Right. But it's a little bit I,
0: also, it's a little McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Remember that? Mm-hmm. The whole mm-hmm. scene with that, that, that when he's like... The prostitute who is clearly feels like she was a reluctant prostitute and yes. feels like she's getting raped, yes. right? Constantly. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a little different, but this is this is a little, you know, whatever. It's kind of interesting. So this whole process goes on. But anyway, this little town has their own little, like, circle of justice that goes on. Circle around, of
2: justice. Around
0: right. little Bill, which ha- Weirdly
1: reminds me. What's that
0: crazy movie with Dan Aykroyd, with the Justice and we New keep Jersey? on bringing
1: this one up? It's uh, uh nothing but trouble.
0: Nothing but trouble, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a little bit of nothing but trouble.
1: <laughs> sure. In, yeah.
0: You know what I'm trying to say in this? Yeah,
1: yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah.
0: So 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 that 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 happens. You've been referencing that a lot. Yeah, it comes been, three times. I don't know why. Nothing but trouble keeps coming. It's been That's going on for movie. like like a weird four movie. months. <laughs> Right, I I almost feel like we need to get it out of the way right. and, and and talk about it in a episode or something. Anyway, um, uh, so so there's a bounty. So so what happens is the debt's going to be paid through horses, but the the prostitutes are not happy about it, and
1: they put out a bounty. Specifically, there's one prostitute who is extremely angry about this, right? And it is not the prostitute who got her face cut up. Yes, her name is Strawberry Alice, and Strawberry Alice, like she has a line that stuck in my brain forever. She says, w- "We may let those uh, filthy fools ride us like horses, but God damn it, we're not horses, right?" And uh, they're being paid because they're being paid in horses. They're being paid in horses. Yeah, right. And they, and the prostitutes are being paid in horses. They don't get to keep the horses. Skinny gets the horses. Skinny gets the horses. Right.
0: <laughs> but but.
1: The guys who did it what one, r- one guy did it out of two guys right, and both guys have to bring horses, even though this guy the second guy is only the partner of the guy who did it
0: right so, but they feel bad about what they did
1: he you know, one of them does yeah the one who didn't do it feels very bad that it happened and the one who did do it could give a shit right, right. he's just turning over some horses
0: but the other guy is like he's trying to give this horse specifically to the girl that got
1: slashed yes yeah right and and in one of the one of my favorite moments in any movie he's trying to give that foot with a horse back and the girl who got her face cut up you know she's healed and whatnot she's psyched to accept a horse of her very own and strawberry alice comes running out and starts throwing rocks and shit at these guys and drives them away and the woman who got her face cut up doesn't get the horse nope <laughs> You're like wait a m- wait a minute. <laughs> Strawberry Alice does sound like
3: a band from San Francisco in nineteen sixty eight. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Strawberry a- 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 Alice. <laughs> Strawberry Alice. Hey
0: man. Straight, straight from Hid Ashbury, right? Right. So uh well but okay, so so that's the general thing. So now what you have is you have uh this town run by this funky sheriff Who's got
1: uh, a messy. very hardcore, um, uh, what would be today, uh, a very serious Democrats sheriff because he believes strongly in gun control. You cannot have guns in Big right.
0: no no no. it's not about
1: gun control oh it's about like he takes every single gun it's not about gun control
0: the same like democrat it's about like i have the guns you don't have
1: well yes but he doesn't allow anybody but him to have the guns like he's just like if there are no guns there's a firearms ordinance in big whiskey they cast gene hackman who's a super famous liberal like liberal as it gets right and they cast him as little bill and he's just like there's no firearms in big whiskey all the firemen firearms are controlled by the government and that government is me. Right. <laughs> that's how this works, right. right? That's how I keep the peace in Big Whiskey.
2: Welcome to Big Whiskey. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: It's like Big Tuna. Big Tuna. uh The oh, God that movie's got to come back around. That movie. We're going to have to talk
0: about that one. That's because I,
1: I mean I remember
0: I told you guys when I first saw that movie I was very angry at that movie. Uh, no, on, a, i know that's have, the best kind of movie. That's the best kind of movie. Why? I I just it, it just I was just like I'm so it, upset of, you. it It upset you it. it was annoying. Yep. I didn't like the whole yeah. uh we're, by the way, we're talking about Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh it was annoying. Uh I didn't like uh the constant Wizard of Oz references. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought William Dafoe was really over the top yep. yep like all and and now I look at that and I was like it's amazing because of all the constant Wizard of Oz references, William <laughs> Dafoe is that's really amazing. over the top. <laughs> Laura Dern and is... Nicolas Cage are really crazy. I, and, and, like,
1: the, and that is, I believe, I would say that's the second sexiest movie I've ever seen in my life. It may be fr-
0: hotter than Georgia Asphalt. <laughs>
1: Absolutely crazy, man. Like that, that is in the set, like the other one being, uh, Mulholland Drive, you know, oh, like, right. which, like, which is also incredibly sexy. Yeah. Uh, but that, David Lynch delivers on the, like, he makes, he makes steamy adventurous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> the
0: best ever. Alright, so, uh, so basically this turns into, uh, a, a, a bounty film, right? Where they need to kill these people, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, the, the, the prostitutes have pulled their money to... Right. Send the word out for any, uh, any bad guys that want to come collect the money if you kill these motherfuckers who cut up right. Delilah's face. So, uh,
0: several things happen. One, uh, uh ridiculous bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, English Bob, right? English Bob. English He's Bob great. shows up, and he Richard is, uh, Harris. <laughs> by Richard Harris is, uh, and and followed by uh, who, who's the, his biographer? Who has been yes. in a million things? Million, so, yeah. Saul Rubinick. plays. The Saul Rubinick yeah, who, yeah. Uh, who the also played Donny on Frasier. He mm-hmm. played. Uh, uh, he also is in Schitt's Creek. He's very good in Schitt's Creek. And he plays a great, great character, actor, yeah. a great, great character character. actor. He is. What is he in Schitt's Creek? Huh? What is he in shit's Creek he is the he is the agent uh that comes back from sunrise Bay at the end of the thing where he tries to like negotiate for her to come back on on, on sunrise bay oh, now, yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah so good so good
0: anyway so so he uh so so basically this whole thing happens and uh uh there's a bounty out on on uh this character. This sets up the like who is going to get them. So it's a little bit of like uh a reverse uh high noon kind of s- Yeah, right. 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 Right? So so like they they know that a bunch of bounty killers or bounty hunters are coming to this town and mm-hmm. they're going to come to try to get this thing. It, yeah, it's exactly it's
1: exactly because like essentially this movie talk about uh, empathy for people you don't like. Like the hero of the of the movie in classical terms, the hero of the movie is Gene Hackman. Like he he is the good guy sheriff who is trying to stop the villainous uh assassins from killing these boys. Right. But in fact the hero of the movie is the villain, Clint killer. Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> Clint Eastwood is the killer and he is come and he is the good guy of the movie.
0: And he has no stake in this except he needs the money. Yes.
1: Yes, exactly. Right,
0: which is the weird part of this whole thing. Yep,
1: he's like he's you know he he was married. His wife died. His wife set well, him he on the straight and narrow. Him and Morgan Freeman mm-hmm. were partners, right? Mm-hmm. Long and ago. they were both a uh,
0: bad guys, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right? Yep. And they gave up their bad life to become you know normal people and With women in their lives and yep. married and had farms, et cetera, et cetera Right? Yep. And then that's what they're doing. And so his wife, Clint Eastwood's wife died, mm-hmm. right? Morgan Freeman's wife is still around. She's, uh, 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 a Native American,
1: right? And It's also implied that, uh, so was Clint Eastwood's wife because uh, her name is Antonia Feathers. And oh, so like, yeah, yeah. And so like, uh, they, these, like they probably were living, you know, like the idea is that their crew was probably living like on in a reservation, ter- in a re- yeah, on a reservation, and hiding. Uh, and, hide- and hiding there, and they took wives, and you know, eventually people forgot about them, and then they just went into farming. You know,
0: so so they basically go into uh, uh, farming, and they they do what they do, uh, and uh, uh, base uh, what happens is this: uh, young guy shows mm-hmm. up at Clint Eastwood's house,
1: the Schofield kid. The Schofield kid <laughs>
0: saying he's out for a bounty and he needs a partner to get him on the bounty, right? Mm-hmm. And he plays a badass. I'm using my air quotes here. Right. Uh, plays a badass, but really he's he's nobody,
1: right? This this kid has heard of Bill Money, Clint uh as a legendary gunslinger, right? And, uh, and the kid has grown up on, like, he wanted to be a gunslinger himself because of people like Bill Money and books that he read about people like Bill Money. And, uh, and all the- I weren't trying to be a rapper in LA. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> these are, this, these are the badass dudes, and I want to be just like that. And so you I'm- Reminds right, me am- Three
3: Amigos. The little, with Martin Short's character, yes, the German yes, guy. That's so like, good. Little detail, or whatever. Like, yeah. Until oh I realized it was fake.
1: Until I <laughs> realized it was fake. Oh, how do you tell it's a mail plan? Uh but yeah, the uh but so the kid is shows up and he's just like, I hear you're the rootness, tootness, son of bitch or whatever it is and but Clint Eastwood is like an old man farmer. <laughs> like he like he can barely keep his fucking house together with this couple he of kids. Can't, he is a failing farmer. Failing farmer. Pids, failing the pigs farmer. have the fever. Pigs have drunk. the fever. He's yeah.
0: got two kids mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what to do. And uh he's not a good shot anymore nope 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 he's not he is not the hero that this person thinks he is right he's and like an old uh, vfx artist he's like an old vfx artist oh, exactly uh, wait, yeah, where is that that shortcut in Maya, <laughs>
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. So this new version, of can mm. Yeah. Yep. I can't, can
0: we install Maya 2012 because it was still pretty good? That. <laughs> exactly. Like Maya 2012
1: oh, is actually pretty good. All play. these bells and whistles just get confusing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, uh,
0: so yeah, not not too good right now. And um, but the, he still he decides to just literally abandon his kids.
1: Can you yep. imagine yep. saying They'll to take your care of themselves. They know how to take care of themselves. Crazy. They're like 12 and weeks. 9, and he's yep. like,
0: kill a chicken if you need to. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'll am i be back in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm your yeah. dad, and I'm going to go assassinate go. someone.
1: <laughs> like Kids probably killing chickens anyway. You should show this to our kids. Cause it's and just, just let like them, let them run free. You have easy. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to kill chickens every day. Only every other day. <laughs> but yeah like he just he's just like well i'll be back in a couple of weeks and then hopefully i'll get some money yeah and the, and not, uh not and, going so good right and so he and he insists on uh getting morgan freeman involved again because he knows he's he a shitty he he can't do it without morgan freeman yeah. morgan
0: freeman goes with him yep all right i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get through this whole process real quick mm-hmm. anyway goes through the whole process there is a uh 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 Turns out that uh, English Bob is a uh, <laughs> a big old dandy. Can't mm-hmm. really do anything. He gets basically beat up by Little Bill, which sets the standard of like, oh no, Little Bill ta- is a badass. Little Bill is a badass, <laughs> and, and basically like takes this guy who s- claims to be this big, blah 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 blah, yeah, and big throws talker. It out, which sets the new standard for uh, the his biographer. Mm-hmm. He's like, I need to, oh, well now I'm going to look at Little Bill because right. I don't want to, I don't care about right. this guy. I was,
1: I was following the wrong guy. Little, was little Bill the wrong, is little the real guy. Again, yeah. Right?
0: And so that starts the whole process. Anyway, so the, the, what basically happens at this point is that it turns into this game of, of what's
1: going to happen. Right.
0: Eastwood. Barely survives through this whole process. He's got oh, yeah. fever. He's got bad
1: situations. Like, they're just riding to the town. It rains, and he gets the flu, and he gets so sick he almost dies. Like, so he's like not prepared to do any of this. No, 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 no. <laughs> right? No. And then, and then,
0: and then, on top of that, it's just to, like just to accelerate through the process. His uh, because we're, we need to get the next one. His partner Morgan Freeman gets killed by, by everyone, little Bill's people, by yeah. little Bill's people is displayed in a coffin to mm-hmm. caution people to not come into the yeah. town. That's like, might as well put his head on a spike, right? Yep. Yeah. That's right? basically and it. And then yeah. the, 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 the young kid who thinks he's the big assassin realized like, I am not the big assassin. This is way too much shit for me. I can't do this. Yeah. Just I thought freaking, I was a badass and I'm not. And, and then he leaves, right? And so then basically Eastwood is like, screw it and he just tries to kill everyone and, and the biographer looks at him and it's like how did you do it's like i got lucky
1: <laughs> yeah dude like you know, like the thing is like like eastwood is fighting the whole time everyone he meets and everyone he talks to is just like i heard you were badass when you were young I heard, like oh my god you're a murderer he's a killer he's a killer and you're seeing none of that none like of you're it. just like whatever none of it. right and uh and you're just like wait a minute is it like like is it even true about him like right. yeah you know, like is, or is this built-up story is just like saul rubinick is selling right. right and in the end it comes down to it like after ned's killed after ned after ned is whipped to death right. which is particularly cruel yes, right because he's black I'm yeah. That. yeah like uh like he's whipped to death he's like i'm going to murder little bill and everyone who supports him and he goes through the town and shows up in the bar when they're all like gathering a posse to whole go hunt him down. Like, okay, let's get a posse. Go get Clint Eastwood. Door opens up and Clint Eastwood is standing there. Like he's just like, I'm not going right. to put up your fucking bullshit anymore. Right. It's time. Right. And he kills everyone in the bar. <laughs> yeah. Like he is as good as he said. Right. Uh, he is also, when he says he's lucky, well yeah, he's lucky, but he also kills like five people in three seconds. Like right. he is extremely, he is an actual bad man. Right. Uh, and, uh, and when it comes down to it, like, cause, like essentially, the, one of the major themes is drinking, right? And whiskey. Oh, right, right. He could stop drinking. Right, exactly. He stopped drinking. Whiskey equals violence. Whiskey is representative of violence. Mm-hmm. And when people drink whiskey, violence soon follows in this movie. The town's right. name is Big Whiskey, so you should expect big violence. Right. Right, And in the end, he is not killed a fucking L. A. like he's like, he killed one uh like one dude. He killed the dude who didn't do it. Right. He takes right. the shot that wounds the guy who didn't do it, who slowly dies, you know, of bleeding out. And then like it Eastwood feels gross and bad for having done even that much. Right. Um, but once he, once he hears that Ned's dead, he takes a drink and drinks like half a bottle of whiskey. And suddenly it's like fucking spinach with Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was interesting also because like
0: they, they also managed to kill the guys who had the bounty on them and the prostitutes were paying them, in yeah. sex, in sex,
1: exactly like, I was like it oh. is. Yeah, it is fucking wild. This movie is this. I'll be right up front. As you can tell from the fact that I can pull those names right out of my hat, like this is in the rotation for my favorite film of all time. Like there is no, there is no movie I've spent more time thinking about than Unforgiven. There are movies I, that are I, as good, I think
0: that, and I think you're absolutely right to do that. What I think is interesting about Unforgiven to me is that um, it's it's not a big movie as you think it is. It's exactly. actually a very
1: small, movie, small scale movie.
0: Yeah. Um, and,
1: and as you said, it's like, it's seemingly very simple. All the parts are regular Western tropes. These are very Western tropes, right? right. And so as an inspiration, and by the way,
0: this is something Martini Giant feels very strongly about. We believe that Westerns, are important. <laughs> <laughs> they are, man. They are the they are the the great myth
1: that we have constructed.
0: Well, I think there's something about it because it they good. literally came out of Hollywood from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Like it's, it's like the one of the first genres in defined in filmmaking in Hollywood. Yeah. They, um,
1: they've become one of the like because because westerns are not real. Like that is not real history at all. But right? they started in like pulp. Mm-hmm. magazines and stuff right.
3: like that right. I'm well, wondering Which if they, which this this celebrates which, yeah which this couple like yeah, yeah like, but what i'm saying is they started it, it wasn't like a hollywood i'm wondering if they because they got the rights cheaper than other things
1: sure but that, it's um, the it's the dime store novels that solve Rubinick rights that are oh, yeah. the basis for the movies that later become westerns right and that's why when i say like salt the the real villain of this movie is not clint eastwood or uh gene hackman it's Saul Rubinek, like who's trying to sell a different history. Yeah, he is trying to promote a bullshit story, and there are so many stories in this in this movie that he's uh, Fox like, News. He's Fox News. <laughs> Saul Rubinek. This is exactly true. This is exactly the point of the film. It's You're getting back it, to the whole. It's the coming same all
0: full circle. This, is it, yeah. dude.
1: like, it is the same as Richard Jewell. It is the same. It's just like there is a bullshit story machine that sells bullshit. Penny books about, uh, super villains. And that is what's pushing our belief system all the time. Like, they, like, there's, like, the story of the, uh, of the, of the cut up prostitute starts, I mean, like, she is cut in the face and it's bad. Like, that is bad enough all by itself for these guys to go to prison, right? But by the time it reaches Clint Eastwood, the story has evolved into she, you know, she was cut up beyond belief. She was like, her chest is cut up. She was raped and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it's gotten blown out of massive proportion with the energy of the tale. instead of like, the truth of it is she was cut up and it's terrible. Like, and she deserves justice. Like that should be enough, but we get so into the lascivious nature of the story. We can't help but build it up and build it up and build it up. Um, Gene Hackman, um, like initially when when english bob comes to town with with Saul Rubinek, english bob is nothing but bullshit stories uh-huh right and then the and the and the writers oh, like,
0: especially and very anti-american
1: very anti-american exactly and so like and and he tells that great so like he's like uh, if screw presidents like what you really need is a king or a queen because they would people would try to raise their pistols against the queen and the myth the story that is built up around the queen or the king would protect the queen or the king because no one can kill the king because they're so terrified of the story of the king. And Isn't what happened funny
0: because that's exactly the same what? story that freaking Donald Trump said about himself? Yes, exactly, right? He said, and, I could kill someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and no one will do anything right. because – Right. Did he really? Because yes. yeah, he absolutely did exact, Exactly.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm Donald Trump. People are like, there's a story. There's yeah. a story no, no, no. that will protect me. And the thing is like, that's what happens in the end of Unforgiven. Yes. Like they are so terrified of what Clint Eastwood is as a person, as a, as a myth that they, he, he is the royalty, mm-hmm. right? And right. they can't, people like one guy raises a gun and could totally take him out. And he goes, no way. I'm not doing it. And he puts his gun down. And it's the majesty of that. And what's, what's really brilliant is the counter argument to it is that Clint himself, the whole time, people are like, I heard you did this, and I heard you did this. And the kid's like, well, you know, like, didn't you kill like three guys with uh, one shot, but whatever the hell it is. And then later on, Morgan Freeman's like, "He like, Morgan Freeman goes, that wasn't three guys. It was four guys. <laughs> like the tr- the actual truth about Clint Eastwood is that he's so much worse like, he's so much worse than you think he is. But what's great about it is at the
0: beginning, like, you're like, he's not. He he's is not. He can't even right. freaking shoot a can from 20 right. feet away, right? So right. it's it's kind of the opposite. Like, anyway, we need to, to move on but to our next films. That's
1: not, Obviously, I could talk, I could talk about Unforgiven till the end of you time. You can talk that about Unforgiven for a long time. That is uh, a true gem.
0: Absolutely
1: see that if you have not seen it.
0: All right, I, I I actually need to use a restroom, <laughs> so I'm gonna a bio step break. out for a quick second. But you guys keep talking. we um, for We're here, and then I will I will hold on a second. Yep, that's what
1: Yeah, no, like I've uh, I, I have I've spent uh, our uh, Dave 3D guy who uh, joins in the chat from time to time. Um, he and I have spent so much time talking about Unforgiven. Like uh, it must be over the past like 30 years. It must be at least. If you put all of our conversations back to back, it must be six straight months of talk. Like it is one of the most endlessly fascinating films I've ever seen in my life. Like the moral complexity of that movie is like nothing I've ever seen before. And it's written by the guy who wrote Blade Runner. Yeah. So like this is, you can see that that's the, you know, he likes tackling exactly this kind of material where it's like simple setup. Oh, it's just sci-fi. And then by the end of it, you're like, <laughs> I <What>? can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. Really 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 great. Right. But yeah, Amazing. dude. I, I'm 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 really I especially in watching a bunch of Clint back to back. Like I got to say like he really is, like he is the most he's consistently good like nobody else. Like there there are very few directors who like the number of movies that he has made um uh is incredibly high, but they're all extremely watchable. Minimum extremely watchable. Uh, like good material, and the and the percentage of movies of his that are just good movies is higher than almost any other director I can think of.
3: Yeah, it's just him.
1: Yeah, it's his voice so uniquely. Yeah, his voice and doesn't waver. Yep.
0: Um. Yep. Did you guys just stop talking completely? Yeah, we just dead, no, dead,
3: dead air. We we're
1: talking about you, but yep. anyway. Did but yeah. You ask- like. It was a little, it was just a little, uh, a quick note about Clint saying like the dude is not just, um, amazingly consistent in his, uh, quality, like the, like universally his movies are minimum good. Like there's no, there's no Clint Eastwood movie that I wouldn't watch. Right. And, uh, and there's an amazing consistency to his, for as varied as his subjects are, um, uh, and the kinds of movies he makes, his messaging is incredibly clear and the through lines are very straightforward all the time.
0: Okay. Have we mentioned, have we started our seventh film yet? Uh, Whose turn is it? It's Eric's turn. Eric's turn. Let's do it. It's your last
3: pick. My last pick. And my last pick uh, was something we've talked about before. uh, And that
0: is uh, this one. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot.
3: Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. And it's a film I saw as a child. I love, love, love this movie. Um, It makes me love heist films. And, you know, talking about Clint and all the work that he's done tonight on martinigiant.com, the thing is that, like, in Unforgiven, he is a character who has this past, but he's trying to get... He can't get over it. The past always comes back to him. Mm-hmm. And in Thunderbolt, it's pretty much the same thing where they – he did a, a famous job. He's – the film opens. It's Michael Cimino, and Michael Cimino wrote a film. I think it was Dirty Harry for Siegel, mm-hmm. and he liked Cimino. So he said, write a script, and I'll start. it. And they brought in a young, um, Jeff Bridges. And, uh, they made it, I think it's 74. And it's just a small heist film shot in Montana, I believe. And it starts with basically a guy who, Clint Eastwood, he's a preacher. But he's not really a preacher, and he's giving a sermon. And a guy, come, I'm going to go fast. You're
0: right? There's actually a lot of. Now
3: that I think about what you just said, there's a lot with unforgiven on this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because
3: yeah. he's forg- You know, he's there's a legend to him. He doesn't want to do anything about it. Here, he's a minister. But he's a lie. But he's a minister. He becomes yeah, well, a he's minister. He's hiding, right? So that's that's right. A, right. But still, he uses the hiding of being a minister. Mm-hmm. Right. And George Kennedy comes in and shoots him. He runs across the field, and at the same time, Jeff Bridges, um, Lightfoot, um, is conning a guy to test ride a Camaro, and he steals the car. And they come together like you know, throw mama from a train or not, you know, stop. My mom will shoot. They they end up each other's car and they end up driving together. And in the same way, he knows about Clint Eastwood. It's like, wait, you're the one that did the big jobs. Here is a young guy who wants to be just like Clint, a legend. And Mm -hmm. he knows about him. And they're sitting there at this kind of cool little lake and He's straightened out his shoulder with a belt and at the lake, and he's enamored. Jeff Bridges is enamored by him. He knows the bank jobs that he's done, and he's asking him in the same way Unforgiven. He wants to be like him and teach me. We can do stuff together. We can rob together. Well, at the same time, these group of guys it's headed by George Kennedy, they uh, – try to kill the same guy that shot him when he was a minister, catch up with him and say, we want the money. And Jeff Bridges is like, what are you talking about? And Clint's like, we did a job together. We took the money. We hid it in a schoolhouse. The schoolhouse essentially disappeared. Mm -hmm. And everybody died or it's just me and these guys left. And they think I took the money, but I didn't take the money. So then they end up getting together and saying, pardon me, let's do a job together. So they decide to heist a kind of a Brinks armored car facility. They get this cool, cool gun to blast home. That's save. a giant ass gun. Yeah. <laughs> And you follow them. Like they have to, have to get their day gun. jobs <laughs> and they live together and they fight with each other. Right. But they're patient with each other. But it's different generations. George Kennedy is very – does not trust the hippie type Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges right. – there's a sexuality component to this. Mm-hmm. particularly. Oh, there's, because, a, there's a bromance. A yeah, yeah, huge bromance.
2: Look
0: at the shirt of these guys behind you. They're like – they yeah. are happy.
1: Well, and, and like there's, and, you know, like uh, through the last half of the movie, the last third of the movie, uh, 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 Bridges is, uh, uh, is dressed, uh, cross-dressed. You know, oh, right. and so like he's- That's is, right,
3: but that's, you know, Chimino, who eventually became, he passed they, away. you Chimino
1: is trans, exactly. So like there's like a, like, so there's a, like all these, like, there's such a beautiful, like, the, I agree, I agree with Eric, like this, this, there's very few movies that, uh, made me surprise cry like this movie does. Well, like, I,
0: I'll, I'll real quick. Cause Eric, I want you to keep talking about this film or your love of this film. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to go through the, 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 the plot of it as much because we did cover it on another episode. I just wanted you to talk okay. about your love of it. But I, I, I
3: Oh, wait, you talked – okay, but go on.
0: No, 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 because we have talked about the plot of this in a different episode. We're, we're so. trying to link to another – we're advertising for a different episode. We're, so want to also advertise. If <laughs> people want to see <laughs> – listen to our to our Thunderbolt and Lightfoot episode that we right. did. But I do want to say one thing about – specifically about Martini Giant because before we recorded that episode, which was actually pretty early, mm-hmm. all, Eric would constantly bring up Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, yeah. Constantly. Yeah. As a thing, in all the time. It's like oh, it's like Thunderbolt Landford, Thunderbolt, Landfall. and I never seen the film right mm-hmm. until I finally watched it for that episode, and I loved it. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a classic. It's, it's so, kind
3: of like the Misfits. It's a very strange, yeah. That's strange a good comparison. Movie. That's, That's a great, great comparison. But I think
0: the thing that surprises me, and you know, not to the the, the ending,
3: is so. Sad, sad, it's heartbreaking. As a kid, I remember that dude. It just I and, couldn't and, stop. Crying. And
0: uh, I listen. Sometimes when people say there's a sad movie, I celebrate sad movies. I think they're very important, mm-hmm. and I think that people, I feel better after crying after a sad movie than I yep. do feel happy after a happy movie. I don't feel the cathartic release, and I think that's the important. The cath- cathartic feelings are important. And you mm-hmm. only get that from sad films. You don't get them from comedies.
1: Yep. yep.
0: And this film has a cathartic release that is up there.
1: <laughs> and it, and it sneaks up on you. It, it sneaks up on you. You
0: don't even know that it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Right? But like I think as Eric's pointing out, like there's a like all this collection of characters from like the hippie to the conservative to the like like all this stuff. This
0: was a clash at that time that was Absolutely. crazy. Yeah.
3: And, and it's also like he there's one scene that says so much is that they all have to get day jobs and just bide their time. Oh my so god, with the th- ice cream the truck. The old and guys shit? stay at home, or the old guys work at the ice cream truck, but he goes to work, Jeff Bridges, at a landscaping company, and there's this woman who stands naked in front of a glass door every time he's mowing her lawn. Mm-hmm. And George Kennedy and the old guys are like, did you have sex with her? He's like, nah, I just continue to mow. And it's just like, how could you – what is the matter with you? Are you gay? Right. I mean, these guys are just so angry at him. Mm-hmm. And it just shows such a cultural difference yes. of like right. who these people are. Mm-hmm. And he is just – it's almost like that guy in um, – what's it called again? In Unforgiven where he's just enamored by the history of yeah. this person yeah. and this guy And it's the same thing. And he's like, there's nothing to it. And in the end, he dies, tragically, uh, Jeff Bridges, in a really traumatic... But they find, out of mistake, out of all of this, at the end of the movie, they do a heist, it goes foul, and they're driving, and they pass the schoolhouse, he and Mm -hmm. Jeff Bridges. But Jeff was injured in the heist with his head, and he slowly dies from brain trauma.
0: Yeah, but over the course of, like... 20 minutes of the yeah. movie. Like, over, what's over the course of several days, he's slowly losing his Dude, mental faculties. Yeah. Like, that's and right. you start, you don't even realize it's happening till the end. It's like, what's happening? Is he okay? It's and so then you realize he's sad. dying. It's so sad. It's yeah. so oh, sad. It, it makes takes, me Because it's it. the slowest <laughs> death possible, right? It's, so... it's like, uh, you know, you know, when you go to see those Eric I love this movie and I love the fact that you brought it to me uh, many 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 years ago but like when you see this guy dying you know when you see an opera and you see the woman freaking the dying thing. forever yeah, and forever, it's like right, just right. fucking die already that's not what happens here yeah. you oh, slowly start to realize oh shit he's dying
1: yeah and the dread and then, is and huge and then when you start yeah. to
0: realize that exact moment you're like Oh no. And then it happens. So you actually, so when, when Eastwood comes to the same realization that you did at that same time, and you start to realize Eastwood's emotion, it's through that kill. process. Kills, kills. It's beautiful, Eric. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it is, it is, it's, uh, it's a very important But film. those
3: are a lot of his characters are like that, mm-hmm. right? He's like, it the young and the old, the difference between them, and you know these young kids who are enamored by the old legends. I have and- a question
1: for you. Uh, now, does this make sense if I say this? Jeff Bridges' death in that movie is Vietnam.
3: Oh wait, what? Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's. I think that's what because
3: that is. Because he does go on to make the deer hunter and yes. he was very, uh, Chimino was very anti, uh, Vietnam. Yeah. I
1: believe Jeff Bridges death in that movie is Vietnam because like, was Eric points out, like the collection of people together in this movie is a cross section of American belief systems. That's right. And yeah, yeah. dude. And, yeah, uh, so
0: that is at the pinnacle of all of this.
1: Right. And stuff. Jeff Bridges re- represents youth culture like the, uh, I mean, the sexual fluidity of, of you were, culture. You were like in
3: front of a naked woman and she wanted sex with you and you didn't do anything? Yeah. You're like, nah, right. I just had my apple. Right. Like, what is the matter with you? you know, like, that, they were so angry at him.
1: Right. And that, uh, you know, Bridges is essentially trans in the end of the film, you know, like all oh, this uh, sexual fluidity and youth and like also, the entire idea. Bridges is clearly in love with Eastwood. And Burgess yeah. is clearly in love with Eastwood. Like, that's right. like, that's like, that's like, that's very strongly represented. Like, this is a, like, he has feelings for Eastwood that Eastwood does not share, but they, they're honestly represented. Like, the well, director, he, the director, But like,
0: Eastwood is
1: friends with him. Yeah, absolutely. He just calls him kid, because he's right. a father figure. And so, just like, the this is, the, is a, just, okay. it's the same this thing. This movie embraces. The father
3: figure, same thing as Perfect World.
1: Right. Like, this movie embraces the idea that America is this, cobbled together family of all different kinds of people from like different sexualities and uh, different uh, political positions and all this stuff, but they're gathered together for this common purpose. Right. And then there's a division between members of the gang. And because of that, the kid buys it. Like that's the, the loss of, you know, half a generation's worth of, you know innocence in vietnam you know i think that's where chimino is coming from because that movie especially when especially you watch that back to back with like uh deer hunter and uh, and like that is a it's and actually i'd say if you watch deer hunter um uh thunderbolt and lightfoot and um uh, uh heaven's gate uh, all in one day it feels like that's one movie
2: mhm mm-hmm.
1: like like thematically that is one whole film uh, and it's talking about, uh, America trying to hold itself together during, uh, its final, final days of belief in itself. Uh, and it's incredibly fucking heartbreaking. And like with, with this movie, with Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, like the fact that it hides this in this bizarro heist film. Well, it's incredible. Also, me. just think about,
0: um, I, you know, these, are the height of seventies handsomeness? Oh God, yeah!
1: Like, like oh, I can only unreal. imagine
0: being that handsome, right? Like, if like, you look at Jeff Bridges at nineteen seventy four, Clint Eastwood nineteen seventy four, they that's, are that's so, some handsome, handsome men, so handsome. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like disturbing, and, yeah. and so, and it's it's so I can imagine Chimino at that point was like. Yeah. I want those guys, That's and it. I want to have a camera on them constantly. Yep. Yes,
3: right?
1: very much so. Very and much so.
0: and he plays off like a like gay they,
3: drifter film. Like
1: it, it, it is, like a it really, yeah. it really is, it really is. And but I think that it's, it's incredibly beautiful. You know, oh yes. Yeah, and it's and it's like, like it, it allows itself to be weird and and prof- not just heartfelt but profound in the and end.
3: Private Idaho,
1: if you watch yeah. that
3: again and watch that movie, yeah, uh, and Thunderbolt, there's
1: something to it. But oh, without a tattoo, yeah, totally, totally. I agree. think
3: it, Jeff Bridges just it, the character. I just it just made me cry always, and I just loved like that like you, film.
1: You but you the, really feel like, and when he di- when he when he dies, you really feel like you lost something.
0: Oh my god. It's just it's, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's, well, it, it, I think what what uh, you know specifically Eastwood's performance on this like cuz Eastwood is hardened, right? Yeah, right. He's a hardened character mm-hmm. and he's like well we got the money, right? From the schoolhouse. And then he's like oh, oh shit, he's dying. Mm-hmm. And then the guy
1: he, Jeff Bridges like we won and yeah. now i can die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We 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 won and he's already starting to slur his words. Yeah. Like
0: we won, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, oh, is God. it okay, so this is a, I mean we really did this something, is a, didn't we? A, this is a classic tragedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to the thing that you wanted to do mm-hmm. and therefore this is the moment you can die.
1: Yep. Right? You you got you got where you wanted to go. So, 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 uh, And the same with Perfect World. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. So, Great call. Uh,
0: I, this is part of my, I watched a whale recently. Anyone, I don't know anyone in chat who's watched a whale or anyone, but I watched a whale recently and this was the problem I had. I don't want to spoil the whole thing. I'm going to spoil the whole thing. Freak it. If I don't care. But he wants to reconcile with his daughter who is a horrible person. <laughs> right but he is in the middle of dying while mm-hmm. he's doing this and then she suddenly goes oh no i love my father as he is dying mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and it's like he's like yay and then he dies <laughs> leaving her with the trauma Uh The her watching her father die in front of him just (laughs) as she reconciled with him, putting all of the burden of his death on her.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. Right. And I
0: feel that is, I mean, I think that's the message really, honestly Mm -hmm. speaking, it's not a bad message to do, but at the same time, it's like, I felt bad for her for having to deal with all of that bullshit. Right. And so when I see Clint Eastwood in Thunderbolt, like, you know, oh, well, because Clint would is seasoned, right? Mm-hmm. But I see him deal with all this stuff and then he sees this guy dying and like, I guess he has to manage that as yeah. a process, it's, right? He's, he's left with it. Because yeah. he's left with it. Like he needs to die just to get rid of that process too. Yep. Like, right. you know, dying right. is the greatest escape in a tragedy. It's like the yes. easiest, like, I'm out, bitches. You know what I mean? Yeah, take it easy. <laughs> 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 and then, so that's a thing, right? It's like when Hamlet dies and all those other guys die, right. it's like, yeah, I finished cathartic goodbye. Yep. And, and, and that's something... just, and then that you just, you leave that burden on everyone else. So uh, it's kind of selfish.
1: Dying right. is selfish, is what I'm just <laughs> right, trying right. to say. Yeah. There's a, like, now you're left with the, with, because I mean, like certainly with uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, like, it is the, like, with the, the meaning of the film is very much like, look at what we have done. You know, like this is, this is the outcome of how, like, uh, as America, you know, like this is what we have uh, done to ourselves, right. and and so you are left with, like, you you're left with the wreckage. You know, you're you're just like this, like like uh, you feel, you know, in some way, happy that Jeff Bridges got to feel that last well, little so, bit of so, happiness, yeah. but we are left with it. So, so let's go back to that. Sorry, just real quick. So,
0: with you mentioned that Bridges dying in Thunderbolt in 1974 represents Vietnam, mm-hmm. right? So, how does that help?
1: <laughs> well, because, like, what this is what I'm saying is like America, Amer- like, like, Vietnam is a Vietnamese tragedy but like in terms of uh in terms of America's soul and then like, you go
0: back to Iwo Jima on top yeah, of that exactly. yeah exactly yeah. like
1: in ter- in terms of America's soul like we told ourselves a story that ended up destroying uh the backbone of American uh belief in itself and oh, uh and uh, and culturally we yeah you know, like we like, we got 50,000 kids killed you know um and we created a, a a deep distrust in America of itself uh that we have not recovered from ever no we haven't <laughs> and then that's it and uh and so um being truthful about that uh like Thunderbolt and lightfoot uh tells the truth of that right and says look at what we have done right and then fl- flags of our fathers and uh, letters, uh, reinforce that statement of just like, don't just bullshit yourself. I'm like, yes, this, I'm like, this is not just a story. You know, these are, these are not villains and blah, 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 blah. Saul Rubinek is not writing the fucking, the, the Penny Dreadful on this. Uh, like, this is the real, this is the real world and these are actual people. And so when uh, Jeff Bridges dies, like, you feel like this is, uh, like there's some something got, something got lost that we can't ever get back. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and I think that, that Clint is attracted to that statement. Yeah. Like we, we have to be careful of uh, losing something that's actually important. All right. So
0: I, I hate to, I hate to be the, uh, the, the person that's moving forward. I, we are going to run long on this podcast. My apologies. Because we're already about twenty minutes behind, uh, or or but uh, we do need to move on to the next one. But the Eric, uh, I do want to note that I uh, I love the, the fact that not only did you pick this movie for this retrospective, but that you introduced me to me many years ago, um, and uh, I think it's an important film. And I still think about it. I still think about how I cry at the ending. And how wonderful it is to cry at the ending of that film. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a great film, and it's uh, packed with fun all the way through the whole process. So it's mm-hmm. worth the whole thing. And right. it
3: also has the worst actress I find. Who? Which, which <laughs> one is that, Eric? She, um, Melanie Griffith. Oh Wait, gosh, Well, Melanie. is she
0: in it? Yeah. Oh my god, that's just right. She's one of those prostitutes. The-
3: no, she's the blonde waitress girl. She's one. the
1: waitress girl. That's oh, right.
3: Yeah. that's right, yeah.
1: Yeah. Melody Griffith. I like. I'm glad that Melody Griffith had a, a strong career because I really think her daughter is a great actor.
0: <laughs> and I'm well, very, what, I'm... what was another Melly Griffith thing <laughs> that we covered recently? We, that, oh, oh, we did.
3: Uh, she's we did, like I am going to. I no, am she. We did a something.
0: to a cherry two thousand. Cherry, cherry two thousand.
3: Yes. and I'm going to. Did, yeah, yeah and so
1: yeah like Siri has more personality uh, than Melanie Griffith. Yeah, Melanie Griffith is not uh, is not the strongest of actors. So that's very true. Her mother was great though. Incredible. Incredible. That yeah. was a gifted generation and now her daughter is also incredible. Okay. Uh, so we are now going to cover your final pick, Mr. Mr. Thron the final pick okay so the the this this movie um now again like i'm not picking like the best like the most flawless No place no no, in no. you're
0: picking you're picking a a a a a pastiche
1: yes exactly um but this one this this one is a uh this is in it, this this movie is entirely about uh this is this is a non this is the non political pick and it's entirely about uh, clint's greatest strengths uh on display constantly uh uh and it the the movie star ability of this guy both as an actual actor and also understanding what stardom is and what star performances are uh and directing those uh is uh my pick because it's british's madison county By Clint Eastwood. Uh, I don't. I don't you right in front of me, but this is. Um, I would say it's probably ninety-seven. Yeah, somewhere around that 90, 90, 96. Um, 90, I bet it's ninety-six. Uh, and uh, it stars uh himself and uh ninety-five, um, and Meryl Streep. Uh, and this is, uh, one of my. It is. I think for his his performance is very good. And it works very well, uh, but it is one of my very favorite Meryl Street performances uh and uh together so Clint's doing Clint and he's doing a good job, but their chemistry is absolutely out of control like this is one of the, this is this might be my favorite romance film ever made like when i re- when I rewatch this. Like, this isn't like Tita- Titanic, for instance, okay. I, which I love, obviously, and we've talked about <sighs> it many times. Now, I love Titanic, I'll go to the Mount on Titanic anytime. Wow. Now, I cry at the end of Titanic. I don't cry at the end of Titanic because I think it's such a tremendous love story. Like, I think it's a tremendously built action spectacle that, uh, tricks you into having, a, a uh, an emotional, uh, reaction, which is spectacular, right? This movie is 100% the two actors who you watch in the film. And it is a it is what you call a two-hander. It's like, here's two big stars. Um and it's a slow burn as they develop their relationship over the course of the movie. Well, Streep's okay. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh and <Sure. laughs> and it is so like I started I started rewatching this and I started crying one third of the way into the movie mm. because of like how Meryl Streep like was already pulling me in. Right. And this movie is so like, I'm actually going to find it difficult to talk about this movie without crying because it's so brilliantly, it's such a great old, old school romance movie. Right. And it's also got the same flaw that perfect world does because like the framing device of this movie is, um, uh, this is a story that you're reading about um, after they have both died of old age and whatnot. And Meryl Streep's kids discover that she had an affair with Clint Eastwood and uh, that in her will, she wants to be cremated and, and, uh, and tossed from the, this bridge over so-and-so river. And they're like, what's going on? What is this bullshit? And I like, and like the son is like, like, I can't believe my mom cheated on dad. And this, and these actors are so Fucking terrible. It's amazing they put it in the movie. Like they're horrible. (laughs) Like there's, the kids are so bad. So bad. It's like a, it's like the movie starts, it just starts with them and it's like 20 minutes with them. And if you just heard like chalk scraping on a blackboard for 20 minutes before the movie starts, that's exactly what you get with this thing. They're, they're absolutely atrocious in this film and I can't believe they left it in the movie it's so bad it's also such a testament to how good the movie is that uh i've seen it enough that when i watched it when i watched it again the fact that they sucked i was like it's kind of sweet that they suck (laughs) like it's like it's sort of like like the like if there's any purpose to it at all it's that the flatness and overacting and the and the and the ugliness of their situation and the and the boring way that it's presented are all working as a contrast to the central love story so strongly that when you when you cut into that it feels like you've walked into a warm house after you know struggling through a blizzard with no shirt and you're just like, oh, my God, finally, real actors. <laughs> and they're in love with each other. This is amazing. Uh And so, like, I would say, if you haven't watched this movie, brace yourself, because the fucking wraparound story is gargantuanly horrible. And it comes from a book I haven't read, but it sounds like it's a pretty junky book. But once Clint finally... Pretty junky book. Like, it, looks, it sounds pretty junky. And I've already descri- described the plot. Like, it, it's junky. It's silly. It's uh, like... You know, handsome photographer dude shows up in the in middle America and this, this, uh, this lady is like, she's got a family, but they're away at the fair for four days selling a calf and yeah, you know, he's just going to have dinner and who knows, something may happen. Like that's the fucking story, right? But they take so much lovely time in developing these characters. And more importantly, the, the Clint Eastwood, who's a massive star, massive, just, you know, like he's already an Academy award-winning director, et cetera, et cetera. He, uh, could have, uh, fought M- Meryl Streep for this movie. You know, he could, it could be like a, uh, Liz Taylor, Richard Burton movie where they're right. both, they're both trying to outact each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is, which is why the the only Liz Taylor, or Richard Burton movie that I like is, uh, the one where they fucking hate each other. Um, uh, and they're screaming at each other the whole time.
0: Cleopatra.
1: Uh, no, that's no. like the, Cleopatra's <laughs> a shitty movie because they're pretending to be in love. Um, no, it's a uh, it's with Richard, uh, George Segal and uh, and what's her face. I know what you're talking about. The black and white part. one. Yeah, yeah, that one. And uh, and like that's a good movie because it allows them to fucking stab at each other and claw each other apart the way that they actually want to in real life. That said, this movie, Clint, giant star Clint, like directing the movie himself. Gives the entire movie to Streep in every single shot. Everything. Like he falls in love with Streep. He lets the camera fall in love with Streep. He doesn't interfere. He plays his part low so you don't get, doesn't get in the way. And he spends the entire movie focusing on every little detail of her performance as she is wrestling with what she is doing. Uh, as a character mm. and that is so good that even with the shitty wraparound and the terrible acting and all that stuff this movie is a flawless a plus like you cannot get a better old-school Hollywood romance character uh mm. affirmation story than what Streep does here except that Clint also like raises her up puts <laughs> the soft light on her and lets her do her thing yeah. and it's phenomenal the part that i start crying i'll let you know is don't like, cry don't cry i, I may i may cry. there's a danger i may cry is like is the one is after they've already spent um part of the day together and she is realizing that she's falling for this guy they have sort of an awkward end of their first night where they're like they haven't done anything there's no kissing or anything like this but like they've clearly had a deep connection and then she gets really upset with herself that she's you know, having feelings for this guy when her husband's a really nice guy, you know, and she, she's upset. So she fights him a little bit and it gets awkward and he's like, well, take it easy. It's good. Thanks very much. And he leaves and he's going to go photograph bridges tomorrow. Right. And, uh, and it's so like, uh, you know, and then she wrestles with herself over what her feelings are that made her do that. And she writes a message, uh, on a piece of paper And goes to the bridge that she knows he's going to be photographing, and pins it there. Totally cornball, hacky, shitbox novel. And
3: you know what that message said? Drink,
1: talk, drink. (laughs) Drink, talk, drink. No joke. She goes and pins it to the thing. I thought it said buy Bitcoin. (laughs) Buy Bitcoin. (laughs) Buy Bitcoin. Close up, like the the like you watch this. The the setup is goofball. It's hacky, bad romance writing. The performance, uh, when she goes up and pins it on the, on the bridge and her, like, decision making process, physical decision making process is so good that I just started crying. Physical. It's incredible. She sells it so perfectly. Like, she's so sort of wrung up in herself and deciding to do this and be brave. It's like a short film all to itself and it blows me away. Like, this is one of the best performances that I've seen in any movie ever and it romances you right out of your shoes it's unbelievable and is and it it tells this beautiful love story they're wonderful together and you're guaranteed to cry and then it wraps up with a shitty fucking kid story bow at the end and you're like oh was that movie any good in the first place so
0: you're saying the middle is the best part the beginning and the it's end. the
1: bulk of it it's the, like it's a it's a 220 right. minute movie so you're getting a full movie's worth of of brilliance uh, I, got right? I got it i got it but it's, it's 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 the book ends or ru- just turn it off. As soon as it starts fading back, just turn it off. Okay. You don't have to see the shit with the kids, but I, but to wrap up with Clint himself, that this dude is so, um, is such a grown up, real artist, um, that he, he didn't need to be a movie star in this movie star vehicle. Like mm. he's just like, I'm not the fucking star of this movie. Like we're not telling my story. I'm just a dickhead. I, I, I think, you're, I think you're
0: right. I think the, th- th- uh... You know, let's go back to the uh, 24 hour news thing, which does Mm -hmm. has played some things. Like, he's he does not want to be in the spotlight, which is interesting because a lot of stars want to be in the spotlight. He does not. He cares about story, he cares about film, he cares about
1: he understands the story. The story is you don't want to get
0: caught up in that kind of stuff, it just takes away from your craft. I know, and he's so good, he's so good at like this is not about me. This is about the story.
1: Yes. Because
0: he'll be, he'll act in it if he needs to, but it's not because he wants to be the star. Yeah.
1: If it gets the money to make the movie, he'll be in it, you know, like whatever. And he, and he's, you know, he loves, he loves playing his characters and doing his thing. And he's a pro, but like you're saying, he's a pro. Like, he's just like, don't he's, he's Don Siegel, man. Like he's not going to fucking let something be in the movie that shouldn't be in the movie. And in, yeah. in Bridges of Madison County, like him being a superstar romantic hero is not what's important.
0: I do I do have a story uh that I want did you guys ever see uh the whole the Jennifer Lawrence talking about Meryl Streep? No. Oh no. It was actually a great thing. And I like, apparently she was on set and she and Meryl Streep was in the film that she was working on, whatever. And they kept talking about Meryl Streep as the goat. Oh, the goat, yes, the goat, yes. Right, Right. And then Meryl Streep never heard that expression before. <laughs> she, she thought it was, she's an old goat. She's an old goat. <laughs> and <laughs> So she's like, oh, well, that's me, the old goat. And it's like, yeah, I'm the old goat, whatever. And it's like, no. And then Jennifer Lawrence is like, do you know why we call you that? And she goes, because I'm the old lady. And it's like, no, because goat. Means the greatest of all of time. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, like it's and she thrilling. had to explain that to Meryl Streep. <laughs> so and she's like, wait, so good. what they, what? And it's like, right, Meryl right. Streep had no concept that this was an expression or whatever it was. Right. And That's to good. Jennifer Lawrence, it was like kind of this beautiful affirmation. It's like, no, you, you're considered the greatest actress of Hollywood of all time, right? Yeah. And it was kind of funny. So to
1: to put that in perspective, I, and, with... and also like I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further, but to bring that all the way around. And this could, this wraps up a little bit of Clint and a little, and Meryl Streep and a little Jennifer Lawrence at the same time. Jennifer Lawrence um, has a new movie coming out uh, called yeah. uh, No Hard Feelings. Okay, I saw and, the trailer. Right, and so No Hard Feelings. I'm, I won't go. To, I won't get into that movie but like the the line in the trailer that uh that clicked for me was she uh like she bursts into this whatever this kid's room it's a sex force right and it turns out that the kids are just like you know on their phone right and she just goes does nobody fuck anymore <laughs> right <laughs> and that made me laugh no they don't and so uh to bring that back into bridges madison county like i was like when was the last time I saw a movie like Bridges of Madison County? Like where it's just unabashed, pure, uh unvarnished love story about actually falling in love with someone.
0: And, and attraction.
1: Just, and attraction and real attraction. I don't it, know like, if
0: I don't know if people have attraction anymore yeah. with themselves. Like, with- watch,
1: watching Streep become attracted to Clint Eastwood in this movie is is so beguiling because she can. She knows it's happening to her, but and she's fighting it. Do and you she's think, I, was like, I was actually thinking about
0: this. It's like, are we going to be okay with not having
3: that?
1: <laughs> it's like no, well, because,
0: <laughs> because I think people may not just have sex anymore. They're just going to be like, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> like I was no, like, no. Yeah, I when mean, the it, last time? No, 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 it's fine. Like, like let's just let. That and AI will will just interact with AI, right?
1: Oh, This is weird. Uh, like, I, I
0: mean, we may just be in that zone. It may, it may, we it are maybe, in that maybe maybe it
1: saves the planet.
0: Okay, all right, <laughs> maybe, all right. Maybe all right. it saves the planet. A, a weird transition, but mm-hmm. totally appropriate. I'm going to find Hit. it. Let's talk about sex. Love it, yeah. So let's <laughs> do this third the, the final movie in our uh-huh. is <laughs>
1: tightrope. Tightrope, yes. Which Se- is all sex problems movie. about
0: sex. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Sex problems. Did I make movie. that work?
0: Did I make that transition? Yes, work? I think
1: that's perfect. Here we are. Okay. We're gonna make it. We're
0: gonna make it. All right. Uh, I mean, when was the last time you guys saw Tightrope?
1: It's oh, been a while. Been a long oh. time. I. Mean, it's about he has sexual hangups. Yeah.
0: Oh no, yeah. it's it's funky.
1: Yeah, is it weird? It's, a it's been it probably movie. since the nineties that I saw this. Uh,
0: yeah, it's I and and I saw it as a as a teenager.
3: But mm-hmm. he also in. Thunderbolt has the same problem.
1: It's true. Sure. He
0: does. You're right. So um, he does. So uh, he is a cop. He's a homicide cop in mm-hmm. um, in New
1: Orleans, right? Right. Okay, yes. That's yeah, I had right. forgotten this entirely. Go ahead.
0: I, 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 you guys don't remember I re- this film? I, I very vaguely remember. Was his remember. wife in it,
3: the blonde? Uh, his ex-wife. So he's Sa- Sandra. Divorced. Yes, she passed away, but that's, I've seen that in the right. theater, I think. Okay. When was that?
0: Uh, 80s? 72, something like that. Oh mm-hmm. my god, when did, when did Thunder, uh, uh, when did Tight It's later out? than that.
1: So, like, uh, T- Tight is 85? Yep. I saw it in the theater. N- is it? Yeah. A- well, yeah.
0: 84. You're right. 84. There we go. 84. So, uh, this is kind of funky. This is, this is weird film. Yeah. And I saw it when I was a teenager and I was like, what did I just watch? And it took, you know, I, and I kind of was fascinated by that 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 trope.
1: Mm-hmm. Also,
0: I was at that time living outside the United States. And um, this is a movie that has sort of a weird eye into New Orleans, which is a very strange part of the United States. Mm-hmm. So uh to me, that's something that was funky as well because New Orleans is, you know, a funky part of Sin City, right? Yeah, it's not right. Vegas, but it's right. weird. And yeah, it's, it's drinky. Yeah, it's got magic. It's got, it's magic. got, like- <laughs> it's got parades. Yeah. It's got Mardi Gras. It's steamy hot. Steamy Mickey, Mickey
1: Rourke making deals with the devil. Yeah, all this kind
0: of <laughs> funny stuff, right? And so, 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 so Clint Eastwood is playing this cop in this strange town, right? Mm-hmm. And so, just to to put it, he he's a he's a homicide cop that's investigating. We're, we're basically chasing a serial killer. But also, another thing, right? So if you think at my my picks, it's like. We've got the Western guy, we've got the uh, a soldier guy, and we've got the cop guy. Yeah, right? right, right, right. I was going to pick Dirty Harry, but it almost felt too obvious, so I wanted to pick sure. Tightrope. Yeah, does that make sense?
1: Makes yeah, it makes sense, it makes sense. Right?
0: So, 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 th- so that's what I picked, and that, and and so he's inspecting a serial killer who likes to kill prostitutes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that's also ties in with Unforgiven, Unforgiven, right (laughs) yeah right and so uh uh the there is obviously a seedy side to new orleans if you guys know anything about new orleans Mm -hmm. obviously new orleans has a a strange past it's got some french culture got some american culture it's got some uh, caribbean voodoo culture Mm -hmm. uh everything is all mixed together in a lot of ways uh, and, and honestly speaking, like I just having rewatched the film, and by the way, and you guys haven't seen it recently right Not oh. twenty five years right I saw it in the theater dude you're yeah. right so so uh i i'd say watch it again because this is a trippy film no oh, that's awesome i can't wait. It was really trippy and kinda awesome to see it again, but basically. What happens is like, you know, it starts off literally like, okay, there's a woman walking down the street. She's not a prostitute, but she's just coming back from a party and she gets killed by this guy. And he gets recognized. The thing that you recognize him from is She's not a prostitute, but she was at a prostitute party. Well, she might have been – actually, Eric, I think you might be right. But the way you recognize him is he's got these blue sneakers with yellow shoelaces and so that's – the thing that they use in the camera. Right. Look at his feet. Let you know, right, right, right. Right? And he he poses as a cop to help her get into her apartment because she's scared walking home at night, and then she shows up dead. Right? Right, right, right,
3: right. You know what's so, really interesting? That came out in 84. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, I can, can hear do, you. Yeah, but, Dan, but, can but, you hear me? Yeah, Can do, yeah. That came out in 84. And if you watch the Netflix show documentary, on the uh, – that killer in L.A. in the 80s, uh, the um, – uh, God, I've lost my mind. Um, there's a, a Night Stalker.
1: The Night Stalker? The Richard oh, Rodriguez. yeah.
3: Okay. Yep. That is a great doc
1: for anybody to watch. The oh, Night yeah, I saw it. It's really good. It's really the, good. Now, so
0: what's the one – what's the one – what's his name?
3: Uh, 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 the uh, uh, uh,
2: God. Old guy,
3: man the, the, memory. The, Welcome the, back to the old man memory podcast. Uh, old man memory uh, podcast. What was I no, going to say? No, no, say? the
0: guy, the guy who, uh, uh, who who did all the photography of killers. That that. What am I thinking of? You know, he was also in Day After Tomorrow as one of the actors. Uh, oh.
3: <laughs> totally lost. Uh, Don't know.
0: Swedish. Mm-hmm. A Swedish. And he's got a sister yes. who's also a famous actor. Yes. What am I thinking of? What I am what I, I talking thinking about, of? And everyone I'm going to come on, Jason. Talking. You know who I'm talking so, about.
3: Can I just finish? Yes, of course. You're talking about tightrope, and they're using the serial color distinct sneakers. Two years later, from filming that movie in the 80s, Richard Rodriguez
2: mm-hmm.
3: was the night stalker, and the only way they could track him was through these unique pair of sneakers, which they only made one of.
0: Right. right. Oh,
3: Yes.
1: How strange is that?
3: That's one hundred percent correct.
1: And, and that, and by the way, that documentary is uh, it. It is the only, it's really good, and it's the only uh happy ending, like crowd pleasing ending for yep. a serial killer story you can possibly it's have. So
2: good.
3: So, so here's the thing. <laughs> and he right? lived in a hotel down the street from my old house in L.A. Oh my god! And it's I so so nuts, here, I was like, nuts. wait a minute.
1: So
0: Clint Eastwood is a cop in New Orleans mm-hmm. who is on a case for a serial killer who kills prostitutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: His wife left him, and he has two daughters that mm-hmm. he is taking care of. So a single dad in New Orleans. Right. Right? One of the daughters is his actual real daughter in real life. Alice Niswood? Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. He goes to see prostitutes. In mm-hmm. real life, lo- like when in the, movie. Right. in the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's right. weird, right?
0: The serial killer kills the prostitutes that yeah, he's, he's like, seeing. Uh, That's right. Right?
2: <laughs> right. It gets
0: right. really seedy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's about him killing himself
2: mm-hmm. or right.
0: killing his own vices.
2: Yes, and dealing
0: right. with this whole problem, mm-hmm. and it's just very. It's like no, like oh no no no. I'm here. I'm a family man. I got kids. I'm dealing with the police department, and then suddenly like, but I have. But they these do that needs. on the Dirty
3: Harry, don't they?
0: <laughs> they? Yeah, no, no, no. It's definitely and the, and,
3: the, oh, and no, in the Dirty the, Harry, that crazy serial killer who was shooting all the people, and he was nuts, didn't he? Frame. He framed. It's su- sudden impact. I haven't That's seen what Dirty Harry about. in a long time. I have su- to. Yeah, remember it's, it uh,
1: the Dirty Harry movie you were talking about is su- su- Sudden Impact. Sudden Impact with with uh, the one with Jim Carrey. Oh God, old man
0: brain. What are uh, you gonna do? De- de-
1: de- 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 is it a Death Wish? Death?
3: No, no, no. no I know de- you're.
1: I know what you're talking about Eric. It's a Dirty Harry movie. Is it? It's a, a, either, a, it's either a, the Deadpool or no, no, de- or it's- no, no.
3: De- Deadpool. Deadpool.
1: It's Deadpool. Yeah, I can't remember it. I, but no. but I, I believe it was the uh, one with Jim Carrey. Whatever the one with Jim Carrey is the one is the one you're talking about, I think. Because Jim Carrey is the one of the people that gets killed. Okay. I think.
0: Yeah. Go All ahead. Right. Sorry. Anyway. So he basically goes on this path where he's chasing the serial killers, and the serial killer keeps following the prostitutes that he is in, he's investigating prostitutes to mm-hmm. get more information and ends up getting mixed up with them. Mm-hmm. And then they end up getting killed by the serial killer. Right. At the same. It's, so it's just kind of like, what the heck is going on? And so every time he sees these prostitutes they're, it's like, it's like, Oh, look, like I digged up part of your, you know, your web history, your evil past, your yes. evil past. Right. Right. And so it's just this this thing and then it gets very very trippy. I highly like you guys should watch this as like
1: got to catch up with this one. Yeah. 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 To me
0: it's a very strange thing because it's kind of this weird situation and also he's trying to start a relationship with someone who uh is uh, uh preventing a uh, very anti-male, right? Mm-hmm. Very chauvinist. So she's like how to attack a man mm-hmm. who is trying to rape you. Like, you remember those classes, yep. right? Of course. Like, And so she's like, and so he's like, Oh, I'm not going to be threatened by you. And he's like, but he's trying to date her. And then all of this other weird stuff is happening. And then obviously, you know, the serial killer, basically the whole point is serial killer knows everything about him. And he's like, Oh shit. And then he has two daughters. <laughs> That are young.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, and, it's great.
0: And then him trying to realize, like, oh no, my entire vice is now going to enter the world of these young girls through a serial killer mm-hmm. that is going to kill them. And it's all my fault, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And all like and then suddenly like and then it gets it gets kind of trippy. It's it's there's a few trippy scenes that were not quite in the level of uh, uh, of uh, easy rider, but Norland's trippiness that happens in there,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: and uh, quite quite amazing. I love
1: this. Yeah. Okay. I'm definitely going to check. It is. I I'm sure that I saw this on VHS in the nineties. Yeah, that's the best I can do. But I don't remember any any part of what you're describing. Because so it's
0: very interesting, and 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 the scenes. Now I'm gonna tell you, like you know, this is '84, is what you said, Eric, right? Yeah. And so, uh, it there's a lot of raunchiness and yes, yeah. sleaziness, sleaziness, it, and, and, and on on purpose. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of awesome in itself, and. Uh, Richard Tuggle was a director, but Clint Eastwood kind of pretty much directed
2: it.
1: as I well. I imagine that's true because uh, I was just looking that up myself, but it looks like old Dickie Tuggle only directed one other Dick thing. T-
0: <laughs> yeah, Tuggle it's Tug- totally pretty much. Tug- like, Tug- if you look at it, is it's very much uh, 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 attributed to Eastwood directing this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I figure that might be the case. Yeah, uh, yeah like, I'm the sure the old that you, Tuggle don't, you don't magic. <laughs>
0: the Dick Tug- it t- is. Magic. It is. It's got <laughs> a weird. I, I think I, I and I remember like my 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 affinity for this, and I'm glad I watched it again because it has a little bit of the Tenant to it. When yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting, it. oh my
1: god, yeah. Have we done the? Te- I've done the Tenant. We haven't yet. done the Tenant yet. No, we got it's one of my favorite know, horror films of all time. That's a great film. That's yeah. a great great film. And also, by but, the way, can I? And I uh, before I forget it, I want to pitch with the Tenant. I I want. I just rewatched The Ghost Writer. And, all, which is also Polanski with, um, uh, Ewan McGregor. And that movie's fucking great. Have you seen The Ghost Rider? The Ghost Rider no. is, gr- is great. It's great. Nine, maybe even 2004, three. I'm not sure. It is Ewan McGregor. Super fun, weird little mystery movie. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I saw it in the theaters and, uh, it's, uh, hang on, I'll look up the year real quick ghost writer oh it's 2010 actually it's actually pretty recent and uh yeah it's got piers brosnan Elizabeth, olivia williams ewan mcgregor kim cattrell tom wilkinson eli Wallach. it's a good one let's double feature that. just someone put a pin in that it's good okay
0: but like i'm gonna ask you guys to, to, to watch type because i was like i watched it again i'll like, do it yeah it's a freaky movie yeah, man, I love it. I love weird. And I it's like, and it's and it's got a lot of sex in it, which is kind of funky and weird, like, you know, and and just sleazy. And then just seeing on. seeing Clint Eastwood, who's like tough guy cop, mm-hmm. but suddenly like girl presents, yeah, but you want this, and then suddenly like he just gives in. That's weird. You know what I mean? So it's like, so off brand. So uh, as opposed to you know like you were saying Eric when he just walks away from the window he doesn't mm-hmm. walk away from the window <laughs> right, right, right right he walks away that's from the, but but he he doesn't not only does he not walk away from the window he doesn't walk away from the window as a father of two
1: young yeah, girls that's bad news that's it's such a weird like that's a weird uh, tonal choice for Clint's career yeah yeah like that is not that is not his normal thing like, and yeah.
0: he does it with his own daughter. As uh, as one of the stars, who That's is wild. one of the ones who gets very threatened in this yeah. situation. That's strange. His, his
1: own uh, villainous His daughter urges. plays a
3: prostitute he visits? No,
1: no, 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 no. no, no, no. His, uh, his daughter plays his daughter. She's just in the movie. <laughs> she's just in the
3: movie, and I thought it she was a is threatened by business. the serial killer. That's the odd thing about the movie. He's doing a scene with a prostitute whose action, real life is daughter. I was like, no, no, no. what? <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, 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 she, is, just, that she is plays totally like a
0: awful. 14-year-old girl, and she is a 14-year-old girl. Uh, it's a very strange movie. I... I you know what's interesting my my dad has been uh my dad and i have been sort of trying to uh Talk about things that we enjoy watching together and, and, and he's trying to turn me on to certain things and, and, and vice versa. So I turned him on to Barry. And so he's trying to watch Barry and he's very upset nice. about this. Yes. And then I, he turned me on to Bosch.
1: Have you heard? I've uh, yes. seen all Bosch. I love Bosch. I've right. read those yeah. books. I've read those books. Right. And I've watched the show. It's great.
0: So, so, so this has a little bit of Bosch
1: to oh, it. Oh yeah. I love it. I mean,
0: 100%. 100%. 100%. Because it's, 100%. you know, prostitutes and weird seediness and crazy yeah. stuff like that. But, it's but there's some trippiness to it that's just a little bit i dude
1: i mean because i love i love uh like yes well clearly but i mean the that i like i love i love uh 80s sleaze is a particular yeah uh, nice flavor it's a fun flavor um and i love um uh like there's a there's a great moment in an actor's careers when they're like i have an established character that i usually play Let's go this way. Let's go and do the weird thing, and then they never return to that. <laughs> like and like Eastwood just like straight now, straight now, straight now. What if I made a weird kind of porn movie and my daughter played my actual daughter in it, and it's sleazy? And you are no. like, what?
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I, no, no, I would. That is exactly right. But and and listen, I I saw this movie like kind of before I knew who Eastwood was, right? right. Or. Like, or i seen Eastwood, and I saw the good and bad, the I saw the dirty air, but I didn't really care about filmmaking or whatever. It's like, oh, this is just a movie about Clint Eastwood as a cop in a town called New Orleans, which I've heard the name, but I don't really right. know. Cause I lived in Europe at the time. I never actually yeah. it's lived in the United place, States. Yeah. So it was like just this weird, you know, mythical town called New Orleans. And it's, was weird. And so somehow it got ingrained in me. So when, when Eric said, let's do a Clint Eastwood, podcast yeah like somehow that came up like I want to do tightrope and I was like immediately it. came up to the top and it's like uh and it's funny cuz you guys haven't seen this in
1: a long time I I don't remember it at all I know that I've seen I it a I, I was a big Clint fan so on Max, It happened
0: uh I I rented it I think you know yeah. Three dollars, like, four dollars, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at it right now and I can see uh products related to this item include uh where is it? In Internal Affairs with Andy uh Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Good <laughs> yeah. steamy uh cop uh, villainous cop movie. Yeah. Uh and um oh where'd it go? I was just looking at it, um uh, uh, Sea of Love with Pacino. I another, love that. Oh, a Sea of Love is fucking awesome. That's another one of those movies where you're like, so Pacino off brand. Yeah. You're like, John Goodman what? too. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. That's fun. Yeah. Just that's watch really
0: Tyro. Ty- just watch Tyro. It, it. it. It's For sure. very classic in a lot of ways. There's nothing, but, but there's, I'll just put it, when you start the third act, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, it just, just gets really, and he's so good in it. Yeah. He's that sounds so great. good. And then I the love girl it. With, yeah. The girl with the lollipop. All I gotta say is the girl with the <laughs>
1: lollipop. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love this plan.
0: Getting a tattoo and a lollipop. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, just, just so seedy and weird and funky. That'll be our and next she, uh... and, and, and the girls are really good in it. The two the two young girls, and his daughter is fabulous. Oh, that's like, awesome. Uh, creepy, and she, but awesome. And she's so young in it too, <laughs> yeah. too right? She's, she's very young and she's really good because, you know, they're struggling and. Uh, you know, as, as, as uh, kids with divorced parents, but uh, she's, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed uh, with their performances. Uh, anyway, good, good. Watch it. That's All a great one. That sounds great. Is, is, is an endorsement for that film. Just watch nice. Tyro because it's
1: funky and weird. I love it. I love it. I love how weird and sort of Euro it sounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds like a European director came in and was like, Clint, let's do something really off beats. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, get your daughter. It's a strange sex film. Let's go.
0: <laughs> We're
1: going to do it in New Orleans. We want them to
0: dress up in costume and walk down Bourbon Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they might be
1: abducted by a strange clown. <laughs> Have you seen Angel Heart? It's like that with more cops. Yeah, it's going to be it's perfect. Very disturbing. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Very hard to watch. <laughs> I love it. I'm I mean, I loved it. I loved it. Well, happy birthday Clint Eastwood. That's
0: what happy I. got Happy birthday Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was. Uh, we wanted to make sure we got this one in before he finished his last film, yep. and to celebrate his his ninety uh, third birthday, which technically speaking is a week away. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and People I don't want to time you My father's this. this August. Oh, nice, uh, uh, nice. Oh, 93, same ninety three as well. Yep. yep. Nice. Okay. Nice. All
0: right. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh uh what's uh, uh what's her name? Um Rebecca uh, White, something white. Uh oh. the Golden Girls um Be- Be- Betty, Betty, white. Betty, Betty, white. Betty White. Betty White, Betty White. Like they had a whole celebration for her hundredth birthday and she died right before.
1: Oh it's so sad. Do you remember she that? almost met it. She almost made it. Betty White, man. She was great. But that's right. Yeah, she was yeah. great. Right. Betty White. Abe Pagoda was close too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my neighbor uh Two houses down, she died at 104. Nice, Uh, wow! And uh, she bought that house when it was first built in 1954. Jeez, jeez! Think about that—buying a house in Burbank in 1954 or whatever it was—and there was like no other houses around, and she owned that house the whole time. And then she's like, "Oh yeah, my granddaughter is going to take me out to to lunch." And then find out her granddaughter is like sixty five. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, dude.
2: <laughs> wow! Just think about that. <laughs> that's hundred
0: and four, dude. Yeah, Grace was an amazing, uh, amazing person, and so she uh, she passed away. But she was a uh, she was scary. She did yoga every day still, you know, when she was a hundred. It works. Uh, that, yep. That's that
1: works. Yep, yep. indeed. Well, nice work, guys. That was good stuff. Great good stuff,
0: and and uh, Clint Eastwood is definitely someone that needs to be celebrated, and we appreciate uh, absolutely. The totally hero. This was a total Eric suggestion, and I absolutely loved getting into these films. So, yeah, some thank great you, ones. Eric. That was no good worries,
3: my
1: friends. Yeah, that was that a good was one. one that was a lovely one and uh, one. and um, no of course no, we will have uh, upcoming the uh, the uh, uh, martini giant uh, tribute to sexiest movies ever top lining wild at heart <laughs> <laughs> wild at heart deserves a own episode <laughs> yeah no
0: I, oh, wild at heart and what was the other one you said uh, um, oh Mulholland Drive yeah no 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 no, no. Uh, what was I oh shit yeah, Wild at Heart, definitely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we need to do Wild at Heart at some point. That's a good one. That's a good one. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Good actor. <laughs> yeah, you make me a harder than Georgia Asphalt. All right. You guys ready for this? Let's, Let's do ready. it. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.